Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. On a Wednesday, it's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. 202, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And boy, those Cardinals are hot right now, boys. I told you it's different this time, Anthony. Jamie says it's different, and we got a text message last night after spending <laughs> a lot of time talking about the text message that we all received two nights ago from the Cardinals saying you up. Uh, Jamie sent Marsh and I a text. That uh, that just said, I just sent the Cardinals some picks. Yep. We said, uh, what kind of picks, Jamie? The best kind. Jamie said, you know. <laughs> we said, what kind of picks, Jamie? And he just said, you know. So Jamie's all in. And why wouldn't he be? These Cardinals are eight games back still, but they've won four straight games. Last night, offense on display again. Jordan Montgomery actually got some run support. He they was, might like him now. They, maybe maybe they've come around on Jordan Jordan Montgomery. That's a good point. Dylan Carlson certainly has because he touched seats a couple of times. Boy, was he pissed he got scratched, huh? Yeah, bench me. Came Watch back this. back with vengeance. His swing looks – I mean, I, I know this is the obvious statement after he hits two home runs, Jamie, but his swing looks good. It looks compact. From the right side? From the right side. Has. Yes, you're right. Left side. We'll find out today. This offense, this offense has got power. You saw Nolan Arenado a couple of times either sacrifice, sacrifice himself. Marsh, I'm sure you were fired up about that. This the, the deep sacrifice to center. What got you more excited? The sacrifice by Nolan Arenado, because we all know you love sack. Yeah. Or him moving the runner over with a productive, productive A B when he shot the ground ball to second. Honestly, I like both, but you know I got to be on brand here, and I do love sack, bunts, and flies, and that falls into the category. So I have to go with that one. I was really excited though about Paul DeYoung's home run. Yeah, you yeah. You, you kind yeah. of called that. Kinda. I mean, the numbers don't lie. You play that sounder for him. He gets ticked off. Mm-hmm. Do we have the sounder in case somebody somebody hasn't heard it? Well, there's a couple of different sounders. Well, the one specifically that that we like to play for Paul Paulie D when he needs it. Marsh gives him a little shot of injection. I think Paul DeYoung plays better ticked off, especially after he hears this. The king is gone. Yeah. He says, okay. Yeah, he answered. Boy, did he clap back. That was a bomb. Certainly was. Oh, Contreras. Hey, him right now. Big Willie. He's he's, just money. He's a pro. Yeah. You should give that guy, like, 87 million. Check. Done. Done and done. <laughs> He's a pro. You're going to go through slumps. The fact that we talk about baseball, you know, kind of 24-7 here in St. Louis, I think it, it, it winds up, we, we wind up magnifying things in baseball that are, are just normal. And slumps are a part of the game. And we've already seen it with Contreras. He's been He's been streaky, but boy, when he's been hot, he's been red hot. 
Last night, he stings the ball several times, uses the entire field. Yeah. For those that that get angry about the launch angle and the home run and these guys are selling out, watch when when a batter is using the entire field. That, to me, is when a guy is really locked in. And Contreras, I know he's coming off the... I know he's, he's he had the slump. And he was kind of prolonged. He was talking about his confidence being down or lost the confidence. Last night, he uses the entire field. Hits the ball hard three straight times. Boy, did he ever. He he looks locked in again. This offense looks locked in again. And we, we know. We know it's been there. It's been the consistency. Well, you're starting to get some consistent offensive production. And lo and behold, when you get good starting pitching, Jamie, that's what it looks like. 9-2 victory. Yeah, and you got some length out of Monty yesterday, too. You know, you got deep enough to where you barely had to use your bullpen. There's a couple of quick ones. One, two. Uh, they both give up runs, mind you. But uh, it's ideal. They were pitching a contact. Yeah, they were. Heavy contact. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the ideal look to a Cardinals baseball game is your offense puts up some numbers. Now, it doesn't always have to be an astronomical number, but if they can get to five runs a game, four or five runs a game should be competitive. With the lineup that they've got, Currently, even when you're you're adding and subtracting some pieces from the lineup, everybody seems to be hitting the ball pretty well right now. It's going to certainly change the look of this season for the Cardinals. What does it change ultimately? I don't know, but it changes the look of it. And we talked yesterday. I think we yeah we talked yesterday about Walker, Dylan Carlson, DeYoung, those guys being in that five six seven spot. And when you slap Gorman back in there for one of these guys, like that extends your lineup. Paul DeYoung hitting what seventh yesterday? Mm-hmm. He goes ding dong Johnson. Where like where does the pitcher get a rest? If the pitcher makes a mistake to almost anybody in this lineup, it's gone. That's what you wanted from your team here. If you're the Cardinals, this is what yeah. we expected. We expected from the start of the season with spring trading for every team to feel that pressure, like there's no breathing room, there's no easy outs. It hasn't gone that way. We know that. There's been a lot of easy outs at times. But in this four-game stretch for the Cardinals, this has been um, not as much fun for the opposition, especially their pitching staff. They have to find a way to keep this rolling. I understand that not every guy will be hitting at the same time as his teammates. You'll have some ups and downs. But if you have more guys than not that are able to hit the ball consistently, that keeps the pressure on the uh, the opposing pitchers, and it keeps you in ball games, keeps you competitive. Yeah, you're not going to get all nine guys hitting at the same time, but it does feel like when this Cardinals offense is rolling, as you noted, the 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 opposing pitcher, whether it's a starter or reliever, does there, there's no outs, there's no easy outs. Credit credit the front office for one thing. We could talk about the lack of pitching. We could talk about some of the bad moves that they made. But John Mozeliak, Randy Flores, Michael Gersh. They have built, they have finally built an offense that, while not consistent, when they are when they are hitting, there there are no easy outs. It wasn't that long ago that the bottom of the order for the Cardinals, if if the if the opposing pitcher could just get through that 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 first five to six slots in the Cardinals lineup. Oh, it was five at your, best. Your line, you know, you knew where your outs were. Uh-huh. Now it's not so easy. Which is why we got so frustrated way back when with the Mike Schilt copy and paste. When that was going on, your bottom of your lineup was horrendous. And you just kept rolling it out there, almost just tapping out. Yeah. That's why we all wanted at that point to space out some of the power from top to bottom, even if somebody has to take a little bit of a 
an ego pill and, and suck it up, and they're batting in the seven hole instead of the five. Mm-hmm. But never did it. Yeah. Never did it. Now you, you don't have to really do that. You've got enough in the guys that you currently have on your roster, and you still have other guys on the bench, too. Like yesterday, you had Newt on the bench sitting there. You had Alec Burleson. I know he's not uh, he's not the next Barry Bonds. I understand that. But it's still a bat where if you pitch him the wrong way, it's gone. Mm-hmm. He's going to make contact. So, I don't know. I, this version right now of the Cardinals uh, has me optimistic for them to recapture the season. Does it make them win the division, all that stuff? I don't know. So please hear me clearly when I say that. If they are able to win games, three or four chunks of games from here to the end of the season, it's going to make it more enjoyable to watch this team. I won't be so angry, hurt, and upset. Well, you weren't upset last night. I will a little bit. You were were downright giddy last night. Yeah, I was. Marsh, did you send the Cardinals anything? No, nah, I just sent him like a gif so of just this dog dancing. Okay. Jamie knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So you're in that phase where you're just kind of feeling feeling each other out. For again. sure. Yeah. You know, I... I'm all in, baby. I know you. I like what I'm seeing, but I just want to make sure it's the real deal. Mm-hmm. You know? But you're... I mean, you're siding more with the, I want to get back together with them. Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. And this started... Last week, even before the the hot streak, it did. Okay, is it hot streak? It's four games. I guess it's not that necessarily. I don't know, four, four games for this what season. You, what for this team, that's a hot streak. That's true. In general terms, what you, what would you consider a hot streak? Oh, four and above. Four uh, and above. I, I go with six because six is you know. I bet it's more than I'm five. More like eight. Eight. Oh, like eight. That's a Anthony, hot streak. Okay, so Boy, a team, these guys are hot. A team could go all year long without having a hot streak, but they win seven in a row. Then they win seven, in a row, and they're not having a hot streak for well, Anthony. Okay, the Reds. The Reds have won ten straight. Now, how do you feel about your four? Oh, just handpick one team that you're staring at the Giants. Have won nine straight. Now, how do you feel about your four straight? Huh? Red Sox have won six straight. Why are you comparing? Six is a serious number. This is the problem, Anthony. Has. Why are we comparing? Is Why can't we just be happy with what we're? experience it's right now. in all aspects of life for anthony he's always looking next door over the fence next parking lot wherever it is he's like I took down my there's something you were forced to anthony yeah, you know true. why but he's always looking at something bigger and better and trying to compare it to what he's currently got why don't you just be happy with what you have anthony well for me jamie it's all about striving to be the best version of myself and uh pushing others in my life to make sure that they are also striving to be the best that they can be is it pushing so, or is it just like bullying? So for me, uh, and, and I think the, the majority of our listeners as well, who want to see this team get back to its rightful spot, which is just this historic, passionate baseball team that gives its its fan base something. I mean, they've mistreated this fan base all season long. Mm. I think we just want a little bit more than four, four straight wins. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You guys want to be happy with that? You want to be happy with... Uh, you know, average. Want to hand out the ribbons? Go for it. I'm not handing out any ribbons for four four straight. Okay, no popsicles in this cooler. Not until eight, then you can have a popsicle. Get a popsicle. Probably one of those freeze pops. That's I, cheap that's, ones. Yeah, I imagine brutal. my popsicle. You get, you get back in the first place. Now we'll talk about some actual ice cream. I imagine my popsicle being like one of those SpongeBob ones with the with the gumball eyes that like those are when actually, you open it, it's super like the face is already kind of disformed and melted. 
those that's, are that's my key, popsicle. Those are low-key great popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> what did, what did we have though? That was that it's was like a, ice cream man, a, a bubble gum. There, it wasn't SpongeBob. No, it was a. Uh, there's a battle. Was a rocket, and at the tip of the rocket was the little gumball. No, Jamie. It was all the way up. There was a big rocket. You're thinking had a tip on it. No, and at the tip of it was the gumball. I don't. So I don't. you start with the gumball. Usually, you start to like. You know, you don't want to bite it off right away. So you kind of lick at that for a little bit, get the taste. Savor the taste. Yeah, and then, of course, you want to take more of the popsicle and the gum. That's the one you had, Anthony. There's several times that I regret saying something and asking Jamie or something in the course of a show. Anthony is the ice cream man. That was just it right there. I regret asking Jamie about that. This team is healthy again. Now what? It was the ghost. It was a, a ghost? white ghost with two gumball eyes. Is that what it is? Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. I just remembered. Then they had a Frankenstein one. I thought that was the cereal. No, 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 no. I'm telling you right now. I guess it was. It was ghost. It's ghost because the eyes would melt, and instead of having the holes for the eyes, it would melt the and go together. Be like a one-eyed ghost. <laughs> Poor guy. But you did have the rocket ship one, too. No, I don't think so. Tell me it's your favorite. All right, this team's healthy again. Now what? Who who loses playing time? Can Ollie manage this thing with with Lars Newbar and Dylan Carlson now back? We get into that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I mean, there's been times where we score runs and we don't pitch, or we pitch well and we don't score runs. Baseball ain't easy, and winning games isn't easy. You just got to do it right. Baseball's kind of like a, a wave. You just try to ride it the best you can and take what you can get. That was Jordan Montgomery following last night's victory over the Nationals. He had a very Jordan Montgomery-type game, and it, what I mean by that is he was efficient. He pitched deep into the game. He's not going to give up a ton of hard contact when when he's on his game. You know, the, the, it's, it's not like he's got a high strikeout guy, but he's also going to keep the walks in check. That's Jordan Montgomery right there. And I think that if he got a little run support, more well, we know this. If he got more run support, that his record could be flipped. But because he's kind of been a hard luck loser a couple of times this season, you know, the the overall numbers uh, they they don't match what the what the record is. Of course, record in Baseball, Jamie, not exactly the best metric when it comes to judging pitchers. Oh, you mean like wins and losses? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, wins and losses, not the best. They're everything. Right, Murphy? Don't get me started. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalters, the fast lane on 101 ESPN. What do you guys think about the lineup right now? You got Dylan Carlson and Lars Newpar back. We saw Lars Newpar two days ago. He went, I don't know, over three, over four. He winds up sitting yesterday. Dylan Carlson back in. He hits two home runs. When it comes to managing the lineup and the position players for for the the Cardinals, assuming everybody stays healthy, how do you think Ollie's going to handle this? I think uh, you do what you said before, Anthony. He hit play. play? Yeah. I mean, what a luxury. What a luxury for Ollie Marmel to have a lineup that's hitting. I mean, really. It's a, you know, it's, these are good problems to have, is what they always say. I think they say it like that, too. Um, Andrew Brandon. 
he was maybe the first one to mm-hmm. say it. Uh, I can't blame everybody for taking it and running with it. I would do. But when you have a lot of guys playing well at the same time, the flexibility of your lineup, the um, playing the matchups is easy. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to overthink it then. And it's accepted. So everybody's playing well, and you play the matchup. So Gorman's out against lefties. He's fine. He's back in today against righties. And if they win today and they have some success, then what it does is it it expands the amount of tinkering that Ollie can do because the players are trusting what's going on at that point. Now, for all of this to work properly, the players have to perform. Again, all roads lead back to the players. You can... Mess with the lineup anywhere you want as far as the batting order. You can mix and match and do things. If the players don't execute or the players don't hit, it doesn't work. So whether you're the copy and paste, like old Shilty did back in the day, or you're the San Francisco Giants from two seasons ago where every single guy is a matchup against a different pitcher and all that stuff, either version of that only works if guys hit. Yeah. So for me, that's that's the easy thing for Ollie. It's like he goes to the metrics – of, you know, well, one, the batting average, then the slug, then like work your way down to see how guys are performing in a certain segment. And I think that's the best way to do it. You can't use the season sometimes because if it's a guy who had a bad month or three weeks of bad baseball, but now he's playing well and you use all the metrics from that, it's like it kind of taints it a little bit, doesn't give you a very clear picture of how that player is in the moment. Mm-hmm. So again, here I am again, the, the segment guy. I would take 10-game segments if I was the Cardinals and go through the, the metrics. 10 games, man. And if you're playing well and you're batting well and your numbers are up in those 10 games, this is how we roll. Yeah. If they're not good, then your role is going to be minimized a little bit. I, I think that you know you brought up the Giants from two years ago. I could be completely wrong with this, but I got the sense that, that Mo was trying to capture a version of that it's not just like the Giants method. The, the Rays have used this method too, where they almost have two different lineups. It, it's not to the not to the extreme that the Giants had two years ago when they won 107 games or whatever it was, but the Rays have implemented kind of a, a, a platoon system. They started to get away from it a little bit this year, but they have always been the team that's, what's our best matchup? Let's go from there. And the reason why you want to do that, you have one distinct advantage if, if you want to go that route. And that is, you can find guys on the cheap that are willing to accept that role. And the Rays, as we know, are a team that doesn't spend anything, but they scout better than anybody in the league outside of maybe the Dodgers. But this is the, the, the Rays can find good, cheap talent to do one thing incredibly well. And the Giants, when they're trying to get rid of some of those bigger contracts and start over... Buster Posey, you know, when he before he retired, there was a couple of other expanding contracts there. It's like, okay, we got to move on. Johnny Cueto was one of those guys. They they decided to go that route, and they would roll as we know for you know right-handed pitcher. Here's our left-handed lineup, and then when you start to go to all your lefties in your pen, then we'll flip it. I think the Cardinals they almost seemingly they they wanted to do to do some version of that, Jamie. But you can't when you have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato and Wilson Contreras yep. and, and and Jordan Walker, who's 21 years old, 20 at the time, at the start of the season, and you're trying to get these eight, but you can't do that. So I think that 
ditching that effort and and almost going more to like Alec Burleson has become a bench bat. I think that's fine. That's exactly where he should be. Exactly. And now you can match up a little bit. Okay, Dylan Carlson, if you want to play the matchup game there, fine. If you want to get guys off their feet, Donovan can switch, you know, he can move around. Tommy Edmond has really solidified himself in center field. But you cannot do the Rays slash Giants thing when you have marquee talent or really young upcoming players that you need that you need them to get ABs. It doesn't work. So I'm glad the Cardinals are settling in here. Uh, mostly to a lineup that's going to become a little stagnant. Yeah, and you're right. There are certain guys that just, you know, no matter where they are as far as uh, their segment, we'll call it, goes, they're still going to play. Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arnott are those guys. Contreras, you know, you weave him in and out from time to time. He's a day off of his feet. He'll go to the DH, and then he will get an off day. But you're... The $87.5 million tells me he has to be in your lineup. And if it looks anything like it has over the last couple of games, you want him right. in your lineup. Because uh, he's got a lot of pop. He's, I mean, he's hitting the snot out of the ball right now. But yeah, you're right. You can play the, the matchup game with a certain group of players, but there's others on your roster here, especially as the Cardinals, that you're not tinkering with that. You're not right. messing with those guys. So it's a, a little blend of both philosophies, which is fine. If the players are executing. That's Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, Anthony Stalter. Speaking of the lineup, we'll give you the lineup for today's game and tell you why people are upset. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. On this blustery night in D.C., the pitch is whacked towards center. Robles, though, is coming on and can't get there. Wynn may have played tricks with that. Maybe it was knuckling, but he took a horizontal route to that ball, and that might have saved Walker. Chip Carey on the call. Bally Sports Midwest. Jordan Walker with another hit last night. Jordan Walker has been red hot. In the second, Is he my hit guy? Jordan Walker? No, you had... I had Goldie for a home run, but I can't remember who I had for the hit. Marsh? I feel like we all had of one last <clears throat> night. I think I think our listener had... Jamie had Goldie. Mm-hmm. You had Goldie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you had, you no, had I had Edmund. Goldie for the home run. I think you had both. I think you had both. I think we, yeah. I think we gave you both. 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you gave us a list. You had like three, but you had to pick last, and I think you wound up with yeah. Goldie. Mm-hmm. All right. Unfortunately for Keith, who was our beat the street contestant, he picked Nolan Arnato. Went O for Gopher last night, oh. O for four. So we do need a new beat the streak. Contestant. Well, I Contestant. Based on the way we've been running things around here, Anthony, since we've taken over the Cardinals, um, <clears throat> that would tell me Arnado's out of the lineup today, probably. Well, you didn't hit. You got to hit to play. We'll get you a lineup. Why don't we do that right now? And why would you beat the streak next? You want to do that, Marsh? <clears throat> next segment, maybe? Yes? All right. Brendan Donovan. Brendan Donovan is leading off. He's sitting. He's playing third. Paul Goldschmidt is hitting second, playing first. Lars Newbar is in left field, hitting third. Nolan Arnato is your DH. What? Is your cleanup? Uh, DH. Yep. DH Relegated to the bench. <laughs> Wilson Contreras is the catcher today. He's hitting fifth. Nolan Gorman back at second base after not playing yesterday. He's hitting sixth. Dylan Carlson is in right field, hitting seventh. Paul DeYoung is hitting eighth, playing short, and Tommy Edmond is your center fielder, and he's hitting ninth today. In a second, we'll tell you uh, why fans are kind of ticked off about this lineup, although yeah. you might you might understand why. But, Jamie, I wanted to wish my daughter Madeline a very happy birthday. What? Seven years old today. She is seven. So happy birthday, Maddie. Happy I know you're having kind of a fun Maddie. day with Aunt Karen, driving around. Happy birthday, Maddie. I love you. Wow. Seven years old. Did you get her a pony? Why would you say that now? She, you know she's mm. listening. Oh, sorry. What's the birthday I remember party? You, uh, don't, don't worry, hon. Uncle Jamie's got your pony. Yeah. It's in the backyard right now eating something. That's <laughs> cutting my grass lawn. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right. So, Happy birthday, Maddie. So Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker's not in the lineup today. And Marsh, you were on you were on the interwebs. Oh, yeah, and people, I was. people were ticked off. People were not happy. They were uh, they were upset. How how could you? He's got a thirteen game hitting streak. That's what it sounded like. If that's internet, how I read it. If the internet could talk. That's how I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it all caps? Did you see some all caps? Nah, maybe a few. Okay. But there were multiple people on Twitter, which we know is a very rational website and mm-hmm. app to use, where everyone is very level headed. And have great dialogues and conversations. Um, no, people. Some people were upset, and then we had some some rational people who were like, "Hey, you know, maybe you give the guy a day off." I want to know though. Like, is this a is this Ollie putting maybe the team before <clears throat> personal achievements regarding Jordan Walker? Yeah. So there's been a report that um, I'm trying to find it again here that. He's suffering from a little bit of an illness right now, Walker. There we go. And that Ollie felt that uh, it was perfect timing to kind of give him a day off, and uh, hopefully he gets over it quickly. I'm trying to find it. Um, Anyways, that's what it is. It's not performance. It's not... um, As far as like benching the kids and the kid, like it's not that. This go this goes hand in hand in what we were talking about yesterday. We were actually talking about it with Jordan Walker, or I'm sorry, not Jordan Walker, Jordan Hicks. This is where you manage. This is where you have to manage 162 games. You got guys that are banged up. The media doesn't know about it. Fans don't know about it. Or in this case, maybe maybe he's under the weather. And you have to, you have to manage the situation. This is as important as some of the decision making that happens. In, on a game by game basis, 
realize that if if it, if if teams play on average six games a week, you're going to have a wide range of decisions that that go that that lead to either great results, okay results, or terrible results. It's a lot of decisions over the course of a week. A lot of decisions in terms of the lineup and the bullpen and all that over 162 games. Managing the clubhouse, that that I think is as important, if not more important. So when it comes to Jordan Walker, Jordan Walker, if he if he is you know under the weather a little bit, don't jeopardize the 13 game hit streak that he has right now. Have have him on the bench, give him a day off, and go from there. Yeah, Lynn Worthy is who uh, reported it. Uh, Ali Marmol said that Walker's out of lineup Wednesday in Washington due to an illness. Okay, there you go. So Marmol uh, implied that Walker's illness is viewed as only a minor concern, so the rookie outfielder doesn't look as though he'll be at any risk of missing the Cardinals' upcoming two games against the Cubs in London this Good. weekend. There you go. All right, so the Cardinals are carrying a season-high tying four-game winning streak into today's game against the Nationals. Miles Michaelis needs needs a turnaround here. He's He's been struggling over his last three games. As we've noted, his month of April, terrible. His month of May, outstanding. In June, three starts. He's got an ERA over six. He needs to get going here against a Nationals lineup that, as we know, isn't isn't a huge threat. But any th- any any lineup can look great on a given night if a guy is struggling. So 305 first pitch, Miles Michaelis versus Trevor Williams. Cardinals have seen plenty of Trevor Williams over the years. He's a former Pirates pitcher, so he's a guy that again they've they've seen before. But the Cardinals will look to complete the three game sweep against the Nationals today. And since falling behind 5-0 on Monday. The Cardinals have outscored the Nationals 17 to 4 across the past 16 innings. That's that's remarkable. That's impressive. So they fall behind 5-0 to the Nationals on Monday. They've now outscored the Nationals 17 to 4 across the last 16 outings. Nationals will again send right-hander Trevor Williams to the bump 3 and 4, 4-5-0 ERA. Williams trying to get back on track himself after matching his second shortest outing of the season on Friday. He gave up five runs in four and a third innings against the Marlins. So Williams hasn't been hasn't been great either. In fact, he's got it's been almost three weeks since Williams has has posted a victory. Miles Michael is four and four on the year, four three six ERA. He's going to make his sixteenth start of the season. 0-3, 6.88 ERA in three starts this month after going 3-0 with a 1.89 ERA in six starts in May. We have Cardinals Bud Bash tickets to give away at some point during the show. And don't forget, the opening drive will be helping host Big League Impact's Cardinals in London watch party this Saturday at Patio's downtown. The Cardinals are headed to London to take on the Chicago Cubs. And you can watch the game this Saturday afternoon at Patio's with the opening drive. Enjoy a fun-filled afternoon featuring trivia, games, your chance at autograph memorabilia, and you could you could all you could do it all uh, with host. Randy, Kerr, Kerry, and Brooke. Proceeds will support Big League Impact. Get more details on Big League Impact's Cardinals in London watch party now at 101ESPN.com. We have Beat the Streak and what's trending next on 101ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101ESPN. Baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And it is first big league hit, a 
is a bullet up the middle. All right, time for Beat the Streak here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh from Anthony Stalter. And we welcome in a new contestant, unfortunately, for our guy yesterday. He had Nolan Arenado. Productive day for Nolan Arenado, but, you know, you got to get a hit to keep the streak going. And Nolan Arenado did not get a hit last night. So we welcome in John today. What's up, John? Not much. How are you guys? Doing great. Thanks for being available during, a, during the day here. You ready to go? Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. All right, Marsh. What do we got for standings? All right, so, Anthony, you are currently leading with a streak of four. Jamie with one. Just like the Cardinals. Absolutely. You're uh, you're on a hot streak, Anthony. (laughs) Nah, it's going to be about eight. Jamie is at one. I am at one. And then, of course, John is new today, so he is at zero. All right, John, so you're going to go last just uh, just because of the streak. I'm going to take... I went Tommy Edmond yesterday. I don't think I'm going to go back to that, that well today. I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Nolan Arenado today. Oh, hitless yesterday. The revenge tour. The revenge tour. Hitless yesterday. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Nolan today. So give me Nolan Arenado. Jamie, you're up. Oh, it's me now. Yep. <clears throat> okay. Wow. Let's see here. Pretty tough to bet against Brendan Donovan these days. I'm gonna go with Brendan Donovan. Okay. I had thought for a second. I was like, yeah, but he just seems to be annoying you, again. You followed your own advice. I did. <laughs> I almost didn't. I almost didn't. I, almost, I was you almost a gut. prisoner of the moment there. Yeah. I was looking at big Willie Contreras, and I was like, yeah, he's, he's feeling it. In. Until he's not feeling it. I'm right. going to go with Brendan Donovan. All right. So Arnado and Donovan off the board. Marsh, who do you got? The king is gone. Hold the oh, Wow. Okay. Now, fired up. Marshy, just so you know, apparently BK and Ferrario... Well, one, apparently they steal our sounders to play the lineup game. What the hell? So we're going to have to put that in a file and have a password for that. Well, hey, at least they're they're playing them, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. At least yeah, they know. Sure. But, but, but here's the problem. Yeah. They played Arnado? the wrong one for Paul DeYoung today. Oh, no. He earned oh, his... Oh, no. Yeah, so I don't know how that's going to yeah, affect things. Yeah, doesn't count, though. Okay. All right, uh, John, you're up. So no, no Arenado, no Donovan, no DeYoung. Yeah, so I think I'm going to go with Jamie's idea here, but I'm going to take that. Uh, I'm going to take Wilson Contreras. He's been hitting pretty well here lately, so let's have him beat the streak tonight. He's yeah. locked in. All right, John, good luck to you. Hopefully, we will talk to you what uh, two days from now. I don't think I think the Cardinals are off tomorrow. Oh yeah, well actually okay. they're off for the next couple of days because they're going out to London. So, mm. John, if you win, great. We'll talk to you like three weeks from now. That's not true. It'd be like Monday. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Thanks, we'll man. See you Have now. a great day. Why do you got to do that? Do what? Just. I don't like you exaggerating. And John is all excited to be on Beat the Streak. Yeah, John he, knows what it meant. And then he's going to be like, wow. I just think sometimes, Anthony, you know this happens. Uh, what you say is taken too literal on this show. Very true. Yeah. That is a good point. Which I don't know why anybody would take anything you say seriously, but. It happens. If I had feelings, that would have hurt. Go foul! Go foul! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! All right, Marsh didn't want to play the home run derby today, but, I mean, why not? It's, It's the most fun thing that we do in this show, and Marsh just wanted to take it from us. My guy hit a home run. Well, not today. 
<laughs> what do we got for home run derby standings, Marsh? Yeah, Jamie's still leading with four. That a boy, Jamie. Thank you. I'm still at one. And you and Dana are at three. Okay. Jamie, go for it. Wow. Lars Newtbar, final answer. Okay, wow. You knew. You lo- you got locked in there. What happened to Dylan Carlson? He got benched for a game. What happened? Right. I'm, that's what I'm going with right now. Lars Newtbar got benched. It's going to be Newt. There it is, baby. I'm going to take Nolan Gorman. That was my second choice. Same thing, yeah. right? Benched yesterday. Uh-huh. He's going to touch seats tonight. He sure is. Yes. Touch all of them. All of them. Well, you could only touch like maybe one or two if you get a good no, bounce. No, it ricochets around. Yeah. Right. And if you hit several home runs. Good call. Marsh, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with RL Chalk today, Mr. Paul Goldschmidt. Mm, okay. All right. All right. There you have it. That's exciting. <clears throat> Boy, Jamie's on one today, Marsh. I mean, it's incredible. I, I mean, you say. did fire him up in that first segment. I, the Cardinals fired him up last <laughs> that's, night. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> it's really hard to work with him. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher. All right, guys, what's trending? Guys, Tyreek Hill is in trouble again, Anthony. Uh, what is going on here? Uh, Tyreek, he's into some legal issues again. And this has been a situation that, for him, uh, you know, off-the-field stuff has followed him. So here's what we know. ESPN reported last night that Tyreek Hill of the Dolphins being investigated for assault and battery stemming from an alleged, and I will say alleged, incident at at a Miami Beach marina. Hill allegedly struck a man during an argument at the marina on Sunday, and the Dolphins said in a brief statement that the team is aware of the allegation and, quote, will reserve further comment at this time, end quote. As I mentioned before, Kind of, a, kind of a history of violence here for Tyreek Hill. He was dismissed from the Oklahoma State football team in 2014 after being arrested and accused of domestic violence. His then-girlfriend alleged that Hill choked and punched her. In 2019, Hill was investigated for alleged battery that may have resulted in a broken arm for, the three-year-old, for his three-year-old son. However, the NFL did not punish Hill for the incident after a medical investigation determined that the boy's uh, broken arm was by accident. I, either way with this, it's, you know, the Dolphins have something going here. I'll tell you what needs to happen. Someone needs to kick Tyreek Hill's ass. Honestly. Like, he just, apparently this is a pattern for him where he just gets all hot-headed. We've seen it on the field. Someone just needs to pop him one. Settle down there, big boy. Mm-hmm. I watched a video with him and Drew Rosenhaus were out in the oceans. I don't it looked like they killed a shark or swimming with a shark or something. It's probably same freaking day because they rented the boat to head out there. So all of this seems to be kind of tying in together here. I think that what's going to happen here, Anthony, is uh, call me crazy. Uh, charges will be dropped, but there'll be a financial gain for said individual. Mm. Basically, you're right. Yep. But I'd rather just stick him in a cage with somebody. Here, you want that? Yeah. No. Chargers are just gonna stay there till you get in the cage with you fight him. Whoever. Right. Pick your guy. I mean, if you're if you're if you're Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel, you gotta make a phone call and say, what what are we doing? We're building something here. We've got last year we made the playoffs. We had a very good season, but the upside is still through the roof. And you're you're doing this. It's selfish. You're put you're putting yourself 
in front of the team's needs. We're, we had a really good offseason, really productive. We, we acquired you to be a difference maker. And this is what this is what you're doing off the field. What the hell could actually have gone wrong at that marina to where he's got to pop somebody? Right. I don't know. Like, you're Tyreek Hill. Have some self-awareness, man. Like, I know situations happen. And trust me, they happen. I've been living in this city a long time. And there's people that get a few too many wobbly pops in them or whatever, and they want to they want to test the waters a little bit. Yeah. When you get older and you grow up a little bit, you realize that some things just ain't worth it. You're, that's what your friends are supposed to be there for you. Yeah. Like, just like, hey, enough, we're done here. We're done here. Like, separate right. you, walk you away. Like, you're Tyreek Hill. Yeah. Show some composure. Well, you have, you, you have so much. You have so much to lose. This guy, this idiot's got nothing to lose. It's why he's challenging you. Yeah. Or maybe the, maybe the guy had. Every reason to be in his face. Maybe Tyreek Hill was a bonehead, said something, did something, right. you know, whatever. Like, the same case, that's where your buddy's got to step in and be like, bro, it's not, nah. no, no. it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Guys, congratulations to Ken Hitchcock, Pierre Turgeon, as the Hockey Hall of Fame welcomes them in. Of course, there's a, a few other names on there as well. Pierre Turgeon got in? Pierre Turgeon Sneaky is Pete. in. Oh my God, I got a great story about Pierre Turgeon. Well, a couple things. First of all, congratulations to both individuals. Ken Hitchcock, uh, well-deserving of this honor. I've said it before, Anthony, you know I have. Mm -hmm. One of the most knowledgeable hockey people I've ever talked to. I'll call Hitch once every blue moon and just talk hockey with the guy. And he, he's amazing to talk to. Hitch gave me my opportunity. Heck, I was coaching the Blues for one entire training camp when they came out of the lockout because he wanted the coaching staff to evaluate. So I was out there with Sean Farrell and we ran the entire training camp and it was awesome. I got to be in all the meetings and all this stuff and Hitch was fantastic to me. So congratulations to Hitch. Pierre Turgeon, this guy is you know, quietly just a point of game guy his entire career. I'm glad that finally somebody noticed him. He's such a class act too. Pierre Turgeon walked in a room and looked like he could be your lawyer. Mm -hmm. And then he goes out and plays hockey at a very high level but Pierre Turgeon his very first day here in St. Louis we traded I forget who we traded to Montreal uh, and we got Pierre Turgeon in return in the trade and Turge is sitting there uh, taping his stick and Brett Hull walks in with his coffee he always had a coffee and flip flops on walked over and in Holly fashion kind of just put the coffee down picked up Pierre's stick flexed it a few times then he looked at the curve and went, Pah! threw it on the ground and goes, you must be a lot better than I thought you were. <laughs> Basically saying that the stick was garbage. Wow. Now, what Pierre didn't know is how he did that to everybody. <laughs> it was just his thing. Yeah. And so Turge kind of looked and I started laughing and, you know, Pierre's a French guy. Yeah. So I go over, sit next to him and start talking French to him and tell him, hey, look. It, yeah, that's what he does. He's what he does. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a great teammate, but. <laughs> yeah. He's a great teammate and he's, but he's just being funny. He, yeah. It's kind of his way of welcoming you to the club of, I'm going to make fun of your stick. Right. And uh, it was funny because those two. Better that be, stick than yeah, something else. Either way. Mm -hmm. uh, but those two would always kind of get after each other because Turge was a passer predominantly and Hully was obviously a goal scorer. Another quick story, if we have time for it, is Holly comes in at the intermission and he's yelling at Turge. He's like, pass me the puck. I'm open. And Turge is like, you're not open, Holly. There's a guy on, like, standing on, like, with you right there. He goes, I've scored 40 with a guy on my back. 
Just pass the damn puck. Terrence goes, fine. No, I'll pass you the puck. Next power play, you get the puck. Fine. Next power play comes up. Terrence is on the half wall. Passes it to Hully, who's covered. Holly shoots and scores. <laughs> that was the worst case scenario for Turge. That's Holly incredible. Holly goes on the ice. He goes, I told you, I'm open. <laughs> it was awesome. Phenomenal. <laughs> but congratulations to those two guys. Well deserving. Here's the, the full list of the class of 2023 for the Hockey Hall of Fame. We have uh, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, Tom Barrasso, Pierre Turgeon, Mike Vernon, Caroline Ouellette, Ken Hitchcock, and Pierre LaCroix. Wow. Pierre Lacroix. Lacroix. Pierre Lacroix. Circling real quick back to Hitch, he reminds me of Coach Rick Venturi, who was who graced these airwaves for for a long time, both in the morning on a morning on our morning show, and then throughout the the years as uh, for the Rams radio network coverage. And I happened to just, I, I mean, I he was so gracious with his time. I love talking football with him, but I called him one time before the draft and I said, Hey coach, I, I, I want to pick up kind of nuances. If I'm, if I'm watching film, what can you, what can you teach me? And I figured maybe he gives me 20 minutes. I'll, I'll feverishly write some things. Three hours, three hours he spent with me on guys. You mentioned Hitch calling him just talking hockey it reminds me of, of Coach Rick Venturi just talking football. These guys just, they forgot more than, yeah, it's incredible. Know, certainly. So congratulations to all the Hall of Famers. The one that I, I just get puzzled on all the time for me is Keith Kachuk. How he keeps getting left out is is beyond, I don't know, reasoning to me. He's, Banana lands. Well, he's uh, one of the highest scoring American-born players ever, and he... He's a guy that scored a ton of goals in the NHL and this penalty minute. So look at his career numbers, Anthony. 1,200 games played. 1,065 points. 538 goals. 2,219 penalty minutes. There's only two players in the history of the game, I believe, that have over 500 goals and over 2,000 penalty minutes. Brendan Shanahan and Keith Kachuk. Brendan Shanahan is in the Hall of Fame. That's a shame. I just I I don't get it. I don't get it. Oh. Maybe next year. That's Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. Maybe we'll talk more about the the Hall of Fame with Jeremy Rutherford, who's gonna join us coming up at 415. But more from the blues. Let's react to some of the things Doug Armstrong had in his press conference. That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I can tell you this right now. You can underline it in Sharpie, tweet it, whatever you want. Doug Armstrong is not walking to the podium three times in Nashville on Wednesday, June 28th to make three first-round picks. Not happening. I don't know if he's just going to make one or if it's two, but he's definitely going to be leveraging those two picks late in the first round, beginning at number 25 overall, to try and make the St. Louis Blues better right in the here and now. It's going to be players that are 25 and under, that type of age range that they'd like to add to their core to go along with Kairou and Thomas. My thought process is the, the Blues are going to be one of those teams that's pretty aggressive too. That was Frank Cervelli from the Daily Face-Off talking about Doug Armstrong. (laughs) 
because players you want to add. What was Captain Obvious? Well, he says players are 25 years and under what Doug Armstrong is going to want to add to. Well, no kidding. No kidding. Who doesn't want a a player with full team control that's going to be in the NHL? You know what, boys? Here's what I'm looking at. Uh, We're going to take the draft strategy and we're going to. We're going to flip it on its head this year. We're going to go for 32-year-olds in the draft uh, that have no ability. That's what we're going to aim for. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Well, Doug Armstrong, who met with the media earlier today, talked about when the activity might come about. Uh, and you know, it's going to be sooner sooner rather than later, but here's the man himself. There's not nothing that's come that come across our, our desk that we've seriously considered yet, and that doesn't mean it won't happen between now and uh, now and before those picks are taken. I think a lot of teams are, you know, obviously I'm feeling a lot of calls on on our, our picks, all three picks, quite honestly, and uh, letting people know what we want, and then they go back to work and see if there's a fit. But no one's brought to us anything that uh, would perk our perk our interest as of yet. But that's not abnormal. Things will start picking up probably Monday. Yeah. I mean, look at Army's. Army's in a, a really good situation here right now, to the point that he's got three first-round picks in what appears to be, at least the top twenty, uh, real good draft class. I don't think Army's going to trade the number ten pick. Uh, he, maybe he moves up in the draft to try and get a specific player, but I don't think he's trading that pick. So. To Frank Saravelli's first point, his initial point, Doug Armstrong's not walking to the podium three times. No, he's not. He's not. I, I could see Doug parting with both of the late first-round picks in separate deals or even in one singular deal if he feels like there's a player out there that uh, he can acquire that can make an immediate impact but also be here for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think Army's all that interested in getting rid of some of his Draft picks, high-end draft picks, or any of his high-end prospects that he currently has in the organization, which would be a Zachary Bolduke or a Jimmy Snuggerud, you know, those types of players, certainly a Jake Neighbors, falls into that category. I don't think he's interested in dealing those guys right now for an expiring contract, mm-hmm. uh, meaning a player we talked about yesterday with like one year left on his deal and then, you know, restricted free agency or unrestricted free agency. Yeah. I think that Army's going to deal some of his draft picks try and couple that with some players. If he really wants to add via trade or free agency, he's got to find some cap space. Mm-hmm. Right now he doesn't have a lot of it. And, and to, to find those impactful players that you know Frank Saravelli's referring to, like you're giving up to get. You're going to have to give up a lot to get those players. Now, the good thing about those players is that they're usually cost-controlled, which means they're not making that four, five, six, seven, eight, nine million dollars yet in their careers. Yeah. So you have an opportunity to squeeze a guy like that under your salary cap and, and put him on the roster. Problem is they're going to cost you an arm and a leg, prospect-wise. It's much like last year when Juan Soto was on the trade trading block. You know, they asked the Cardinals for the world. They wanted Walker and Carlson and Gorman. Basically, I believe, it was part of that deal. Well, can you imagine? It's the same thing right now. For somebody who has an impact player that is under team control, uh, 25 years-ish or younger, you're going to have to pony up. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if Army's going to do that. I just don't know if he needs to, for that matter, because you have to think two, three, five years down the road here as well. And if you're getting rid of all your young players, at some point you have to backfill. 
you have to go find players again. Yeah. And these guys are already so far along in their development. Like Jake Neighbors is NHL ready next year. Uh, Jimmy Snuggerud, he might be a year or two away, uh, maybe in that category. Zachary Bolduke is certainly a year away. But these are three guys that are going to be part of your team in two to three years. Mm-hmm. So if you go get rid of those pieces, now what? That's when you have to go through a full rebuild because you've left yourself with nothing in the yeah. cupboard anymore. Army's not that guy. Army talks about, in his article with JR in The Athletic, he talks about having to, you know, leaving the jersey in a better place. Whenever he retires or if he's fired or whatever the case may be, when Army leaves this team, he wants it to be in a good spot. You can't do that. You can't get rid of all your youth and all your prospects and leave this organization in a good spot. Mm-hmm. Because odds are when that when that well runs dry, which it will, you're probably getting fired. The coach is probably getting fired. You're putting a new management, new head coach. You're total rebuild. That doesn't leave the team in a better spot or an equal spot to what you've had it. And if Army's still around at that point, he's going to want to keep his job. He'd like to have a team that he can build around these young guys that are now core pieces. That's how smart teams operate. That's how the Dodgers operate. That's how you know good clubs, that's what they do. They keep filtering in the youth, the talent that they have in less prominent roles, but then they become the core. Mm-hmm. And it's the evolution of your team, constantly restocking the cupboards with players who are going to at one point carry the torch for your club. So I don't see Army moving on from those young prospects. Maybe one, if it makes sense to acquire another player that's youthful, that can slide into your lineup and make an impact right away. But I do agree with Frank that on draft day, I don't expect Army to get to the podium three times. I will be shocked if he gets there twice. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN, where it's 311. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. I was reading uh, an article by Jim Bowden. No, Jamie. Uh, That's Bobby's brother. Nope, 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 nope. I was reading an article by Jim Bowen from The Athletic that he was talking about, not the father, not related. He was talking about players that could be available at the deadline this year. And he had actually mentioned two Cardinals players. We'll tell you who those two Cardinals players are. And it got me thinking, regardless of if the Cardinals classify as a buyer or a seller at the deadline, is there still going to be a big move or a big-ish move? That's coming regardless. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What we're looking at is a sequence like 12 and 2, 13 and 4, puts us right back in the hunt with half the season still to go. That's what we're talking about. Not a consecutive streak. That's always cool. But all, that's what you can get. It happens a lot in this game, and we're capable with the talent we have of a 15 and 3 run type of thing. That was Mike. I think we know by his... His uh, mic drop there, and you can always leave us a mic drop. We appreciate Mike doing it. We know how he answered the text message the other night from the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, yeah, he got right back to him and said, I, "I've been here this entire time. Yep, I've been just waiting for you to realize what this relationship means." Welcome back. That's what Mike said. 
Or I guess that's what Mike said in his text message. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. I was checking out Jim Bowden's article from The Athletic. He, he suggests in the article above that uh, two players could find themselves playing elsewhere shortly if, and his article is top 100 players on GM's radars in a, in a wide open market, if the Cardinals want to move players for pitching, he mentioned Tommy Edmond and Lars Nupar. Said Edmonds ability to play above average defense at three prime positions up the middle makes him a sought after player. He's under team control through twenty twenty five. The Cardinals are going to have to sacrifice some key position players to improve their pitching staff. Edmonds ability to play above average defense at those positions make him make him a sought after player. He also noted that Lars Newbar would have some value as well. It got me thinking about the Cardinals at this deadline, whether they're a buyer or a seller, we won't know for another month or so. But regardless of if they're if they're going to make a uh, or if they're going to be a, a buyer or a seller, guys, I think a big ish move is going to have to come. Regardless, if you want pitching, you're going to have to deal from where you have some players, and where you have players now is that the big league big league level outfielders, or in the case of Tommy Edmond, somebody that's got some versatility. My question for you guys is if you knew that you can get quality starting pitching, not only for this year, but for next year, would who would you give up out of the three players? Edmund, Newt Barr, Dylan Carlson. Again, if you could get starting that pitching. easy for me. I think it's, it's easy for me, too. It's who way easy for me. Dylan Carlson. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's not who I said. Uh, you probably, you're probably going to pick Tommy Edmund. No. You and Lars Newt are. Yeah, wow. I'm going Newt. Really? What your yep. problem is with with Newt? But uh, I don't have a problem with Newt. I don't know what your problem is with Dylan Carlson. Well, a lot. Have you seen his season? I saw last night when he touched seats. Anthony, the disrespect. Twice. He's been injury prone too. So Dylan Carlson's been time on the shelf every season he's played with injuries. Um, I think that's getting him out of the way. Switch hitting outfielder. You're getting more for Dylan Carlson and. You've already filled his spot. Tommy Edmond is an infielder playing center field right now, and you're a center fielder not playing center field. You've already told him that he would be first on the list by doing that. And when Lars Nupar is in the lineup, he's also played some center field, but he's in the right field. And right now, Dylan Carlson is playing right field. So Dylan Carlson's kind of in the way of Lars Nupar playing right field. I think the writing's on the wall as far as the Cardinals, what they're telling me. Marsh? I'm doing the same exact thing. I mean, if you're going to get rid of Newt, I would have got rid of him in the offseason for Sean Murphy, who's going to be an all-star. Yeah, no I would have already gotten rid of him. You if had you're the going, opportunity. Yeah, exactly. So they obviously have a, a lot of value for Newt Barr, but of course they do for Carlson as well, the cold dead hands thing from last summer. Um, I mean, maybe it's Edmund, but... Like what Jamie said, there's a reason why Tommy Edmonds still in center field. It's because right now he's your best defensive center fielder. Otherwise, he wouldn't be playing there. Mm-hmm. Well, we can all agree that Tommy Edmond would not be the guy that you would trade. He's got too much value. Talking, he's a potentially Gold Glove center fielder right now. He's got way too much value. There's no sense in it. You, you could trade whether it's Newbar or Carlson. Mm-hmm. No matter who you where, where you fall into that mix, one of those guys should bring you back some pitching. Now, you may have to pair, depending on what, who the pitcher is, whether or not they're cost-controlled, meaning they have years beyond this this season, 
you could get something in return. You may have to package some prospects with them, but you can get pitching. The The question is, will you have it in time to not only impact your season this year, but in, in, in future years? Or is it a situation where the Cardinals say, we're not going to deal from our depth. We're going to keep our young position depth, because Newport's only 25. Carlson's only 24, I think. Well, yeah, and you're going to get rid of those guys for for a guy that might be able to help this team right now? You, it wouldn't be for a rental. It'd be for a cost-control pitcher. I don't even know if those two even get back a I pitcher don't that's you, even yeah. that's even good enough to make this to get this team over the hump. And who's that pitcher? Well, that's the thing. You don't you don't yeah. know what's going to be available. And then you lose out on the production from those two guys. Now you really have an outfield problem. But for me, if you don't have pitching, you if you don't have, if you don't if you do not have a, a top of the rotation guy, I'm sorry, I don't really care what your outfield depth is. That's just my, that's just my opinion. I know what you're saying, Marsh. In the offense over the last couple of years, yeah. that's been the area that has let you down. It's to me, and maybe maybe it's maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit here, or I'm not I'm not making the equal comparison. But if you do not, if you could have a good you could have a good defense, you have a good running game. If you have an average quarterback, you're not going to win anything of significance. If you have a great offense, but you have suspect starting pitching, you're not going to win anything of, of of substance. So to me. I don't care that you have you know four outfielders. Mm-hmm. If you do not have a legit number one or number two, and I I understand your guys' point because I, I I'm right there with you. Wh- who's going to be available? Can you get that pitcher? I don't know, but it, at some point, if you don't address that area, it really doesn't matter if you have Newt Bar and Carlson in the same outf- outfield. Yeah, um, and you know what? I'm interested to hear what our listeners. Think of this because I do think it's an interesting topic. We got quite a bit of buzz on the Air Comfort Service text line, which is 314 399 9646. A lot of different opinions and some valid ones at that. So uh, get on the 101 ESPN mobile app, click on the little microphone there, leave us a mic drop. Uh, who you would trade out of Tommy Edmond, Lars Nupar, Dylan Carlson, but give us the reasons why. If you can get pitching. Yeah, for pitching. We have a great text from the 618. Nothing illustrates how the Cardinals have problems in many areas than this discussion right now. I mean, we are subtracting and adding, and somehow this team, in my opinion, does not get better by doing either of those things. Like, if you get rid of two of those guys to get a pitcher... Oh, like, not two. Oh, no, yeah, no, it's one. Not two, it's one. Just one? Just one. You're not getting a good pitcher, then, in that's my opinion. My, that's my point. Maybe you have to throw a prospect in with Maybe, it, too. Maybe, yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's what I said. If you if you need if no, you need you said to trade one of these guys, right? One of those guys, yeah. and then I'd mentioned depending on who the pitcher was yeah. and if they're cost controlled, you may also have to throw in a prospect. Okay, honestly, I like, didn't hear that part. In my opinion, if they wanted to get like a real bon- like bona fide pitcher, they'd probably have to go to their farm system. Yvonne Herrera has been having a great year. What are you doing at the catcher position? Clearly, you just locked up Wilson Contreras for more than you know a few years. Maybe you deal him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that. I think that well, exactly. I think like, no matter what, Contreras is going to end up being a uh, DH latter part of this contract, mm-hmm. and you're going to need a guy like Herrera. I mean, I agree. Hopefully. I just think it's a sticky situation to be in. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I feel like that is a type of player that is going to get you, yeah, a, a decent pitcher. I mean, I agree with the text and saying that this this illustrates the biggest problem. You're right, but you again, you don't have pitching. 
And we can we can unravel this thing. We can go any route we want to talk about the problems and how they occurred and when they occurred. And you gave up Randy Rose, all that stuff. You gave up gave up Sandy Alcantara. Yes, it doesn't change the fact that you still need top end pitching. And how are you going to get it? You you package a big league ball player right now with value with some prospects to get to get a pitcher. Now, who that pitcher is, when we get close to the trade deadline, we'll throw start throwing out scenarios. It happens every year. Juan Soto, at this point last year, I don't think we knew that Juan Soto was going to be available, and he became available. There's going to be a pitcher, I think, that of significance, and then we'll have to have that conversation again. But I do think it's interesting that Jim Bowden threw out there two names in Tommy Edmond and Lars Newtbar that will have value to other teams. And that's key. Because as we try to get into like these conversations about, well, we should just get this guy. Who is valuable to other teams? Those two guys and Dylan Carlson, I think, would be valuable to other teams in the right deal. I think they're valuable for this team, too, though. Okay, so, what, all right, I think that's interesting. Let's get into this again. Let's carry this over. Because, Marsh, you, you just said, so you just said some something. Mic drops too. Yeah, if you want to leave us a mic drop, you can. Marsh just said it's val- they're valuable to this team. So... I want to know from you, Marsh, and if you're thinking the same thing as Marsh, because I'm sure he's not alone, what are you going to do about this pitching then? We'll get to that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The predicament the Cardinals are in right now is like the old business adage of you got to spend money to make money. Yes, I understand that Edmonds, Carlson, Donovan, you name it, are good ball players of this team, but we need pitching. And without the pitching, nothing else matters at this point in time. That was Matt. I'd, I'd mention the same thing. So Matt and I are on the same page here. So this whole conversation started when we talked about Jim Bowden's article from The Athletic talking about the top 100 players on GM's radars in a wide-open market. Two of the Cardinals players made the list. Tommy Edmond, Lars Nupar. Now, we added Dylan Carlson because we feel as though the Dylan Carlson might draw some attention as well. So we, we added his name into the mix. And we threw it out to you. Would you if you if you could get cost control pitching, and we're just making this is general comments, okay? Because you might be saying, "Well, who who?" I understand that we're not close to this trade market yet, so we're just having the we're just having a, a preliminary conversation about it. If you could get cost control pitching, would you trade one of those guys? Now, Marsh, we ended last segment with you saying that those three players, all three of them, have value to this team. And this was off of the. This was on the heels of me saying, "If you don't have pitching, you have anything." I don't care about the, the the outfield. But for you, would you not give up any of those guys and protect the, the, the what should be the strength, which is the offense? Let me uh, rephrase. There are two guys that I think have really good value on this team, and we mentioned it before. Dylan Carlson is the one that I would be okay with moving on from. Like he's, it's not like he's a bad ball player, but what Jamie said, he's just he's just not consistently in the lineup. And I know Newt has had his 
struggles this year staying healthy. But to me, like I don't find that to be a like a, a forever thing. I mean, some freak incidents and you know whatnot. But there's a track record from Dylan Carlson. So uh, Tommy Edmond, though, I like his on base percentage. Obviously, the guy can play anywhere, as he's proved. Um, and I like Newt. I, I think if you get rid of Newt, like the the clubhouse, something might happen in the clubhouse where like he he's an infectious person. He has that personality. Maybe um, you know you get rid of that guy and things change. How are you getting pitching, Carlson? Uh, you, know, you get a old guy like you have the past three years, and then <sighs> and then you run into the playoffs. Come on. And then you and then you deal Come with on. it next year. Anthony, make it. You stop. deal with it in the off season. Make it stop. What can I, can, what starter is out there? Can I ask you a question, Marsh? Can I ask you one question? Yes. And Jamie, I hope I can ask this question on on behalf of you as well. Uh, okay. Do you not want to see the Cardinals win? I do want to see them win. Okay. Why I do. are you trading for Jay Happ again? Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that that's probably what they should do. I'm saying that's probably what they will do. I'm sorry if I came across as confusing. It was not so much confusing as it was just disappointing. If you get Shane, if you could get Shane Bieber. Okay, now we're talking. Let's let's If you could get Shane Bieber. Mhm. You're obviously giving up one of those three guys, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Prospects as well, like if it's New Bar, are you giving up New Bar for Shane Bieber? I'm not saying one and one on one deal. For Shane Cleveland, Bieber? Cleveland would, would would want more. Who's who's part of that? Who's also part of the deal? Uh I, Yvonne Herrera. No, I'm not doing that deal. No. New, the Newt and Yvonne Herrera. No, no. No chance. Why? Many reasons. Have you seen Herrera this year? That kid's, what, still 22 years old, I think? Yeah, he's going to look great on a team that has to score nine runs a game because you have no pitching! I don't care. Herrera's not part of the deal. You you overstretched on that one. You overstretched on that one. It's good. It keeps me pliable. Again, though, like the whole Newt bar to the A's for Sean Murphy, like I still have that in my mind. And he's an all-star. And then if you get him, then maybe you can spend money on pitching. So it, it, okay, but so I know I know you can't go back in time. No, no, no. What I was going to say is that that philosophy though is only it, it only works if if Carlos Rodon or Justin Verlander or Max Scherzer or whoever want to come here. That, I, I, going into free agency, I understand you could keep all. Hey, let's just keep all these guys and mm-hmm. let's sign somebody. All right, Aaron Nola might not sign with you. Max Scherzer may not sign with you. Other top end guys that that are going to be in free agency might not sign with you. So, are you willing? Are you willing to give up positional depth within this organization at the big league level, and if it's a guy like Herrera to get to get top end pitching? To me, I think you have to. I don't know if Shane Bieber's the guy for me. Like I don't, I don't view him as the guy that I would give that up for. Okay, that's my. So issue for you, it's more it. of it's more about the the pitcher that you're getting in return. Yeah, I mean the idea of Shane Bieber's. And I, I would trade Newt for Bieber. I would because again, my argument of the Dylan Carlson thing, you can still reapply that in reverse. Do I think you're? Do I think Dylan Carlson's a better player than Newt? No, I don't. But if Newt goes and gets me. Shane Bieber, and I can put Dylan Carlson in right field who's mm-hmm. playing above average 
I think I'm okay still. I'm okay with that too because then Tyler O'Neill will come back oh, and oh, he'll Lord. hit like 20 Marshall. home runs right. in September and <sighs> in August and September. Speaking of, speaking of Tyler O'Neill, wow, it's just nonsense. <laughs> that came out of left field. It, it didn't really it? did. It really did, Marsh. Speaking, of, but speaking of Tyler O'Neill, so I think all of us got this question. That was just me from this show. When O'Neill returns, what do we think the outfield is going to look like? Who's the odd man out? I mean, my response to that would be Tyler O'Neill. Oh, he's already the odd man out. <laughs> I mean, I come on. To me, we're and maybe you guys are different, but to me, where we're at with Tyler O'Neill is whenever he comes back, it's 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 a it's an immediate shrug. It's just all right. Do they even want him back right now? Well, I'm sure to some degree, yeah, they want him back. What, what degree? The ninth degree. I just don't know. I, like if I'm John Mozalock, I'm making sure he's a hundred percent healthy, and when that time comes, I'm trading him. Like I'm, the experiment is over. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. But yeah, to me, it's Tyler now. Tyler O'Neill would be out, the odd man out there. Now Marsh is probably starting him, and he's batting him clean up. Well, Marsh is starting okay. him, and he's going to trade Come for John Lester now. again. Come on. Now. Hey, in fairness to Marsh. It would be Rich Hill. So, not John Lester. Rich Hill shoved against us. <laughs> Anthony, it's like one team. You trade for let's okay. Let's 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 keep playing the scenario here. Right. Here, um, you trade for Shane Bieber. Okay, you, you have four other guys that you also don't believe in. How is that going to make your team any better? Like it's just one guy. It's it's the. It's the one thing that you don't have that can make the biggest impact. And okay. I don't know. You know what? Let me. In fairness, guys, I don't know if Shane Bieber, to Jamie's point, is the is the right guy either. Okay, right. so let me let me state. We'll this. just call him Ace. There you go. Perfect. Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. So if you were to acquire an Ace, that is the one thing you absolutely do not have that can make the biggest impact in Major League Baseball. That's where I'm coming from. You do not have that guy. I don't know if it's in the farm system. If it is, it might be in Peoria right now. I think Tink Hens could be that guy, which is who I was referring to. Got top ten baseball names, which is number seven too. Kind of like it. It's awesome. That's who I was referring to. If you don't have top end pitching, you don't have anything. Is my opinion. You can win a division, as we've seen. It's a bad, bad division. NL Central. You can win a division. You're not going to win a pennant. Is, You're not going to win a World Series. Is there anyone on this current roster other than Goldschmidt, Arnato, Walker, Gorman? We all can agree that those guys are off limits. Yeah. It, not for Anthony. No, I'm trading them all, except for Walker and Gorman. Um, like, can any of those guys? Because I know we we were just fixated on. Edmund, Newt, Carlson, is there anybody else that could potentially maybe get one of these starters that... Well, so you had mentioned, I think, that yeah. somebody from the tax line brought up Brandon Donovan. Yeah. I like, think Brandon, Brandon Donovan... Donovan yeah, that's do a pretty... That? I, I don't know I don't know what, what return you're going to get on a Brandon Donovan, but I think Brandon Donovan would absolutely hold value to other teams. Now, do you want to part with that sort of multi multifaceted player? I don't know. You kind of have two of them in Tommy Edmund and Brandon Donovan. Yeah. But I, I actually don't think... I mean, Tommy Edmonds slowly moving into the category of he's too valuable. I don't think he's untouchable by any means. But this is somebody that won a gold glove at second, 
moved over to short, did a really nice job for you at short, and is now your best center fielder. I just, I, I, I don't, I'm not going to part with that guy. No, at this point. All right, it's fascinating. I want to ESPN. We'll move on a bit. But if you do have a mic drop on this very topic, feel free to send it in. Was Paul DeYoung the best option all along, Jamie, for everything in your life? That's nice. I want to ESPN. Be patient. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Playing on the banks of the Potomac here for the Nationals. The pitch. Fly ball center. Robles going back. He can't get deep enough. It's a long homer for DeYoung. If you're going to play that deep, go ahead and hit it over their head. The Cardinals have done that three times tonight. Chip Carey, Bally Sports Midwest on the call last night following the uh, or during the Cardinals' 9-2 victory over the Nationals. Our guy Brandon Kiley on Twitter last night. And let's get his... What's his Twitter handle? BK Sports Talk, I think. There you go. At uh, BK Sports Talk. Yep, good call, Jamie. BK on Twitter last night. Paul DeYoung for the Cardinals in 2023. His slash line, 235, 305, 465, and a 770 OPS. A few randomly selected shortstops. So this is this is where kind of the experiment comes in, Jamie, for BK. Dansby Swanson, who signed a massive contract for the Cubs, his slash line, 263, 351, 399 with a 750 OPS. So outside of the OPS, Swanson's better in all three categories, but not by much. Xander Bogert's 261, 350, 394 with a 743 OPS. Correa, who was going to sign with the Giants, then signed with the Mets, winds up back with the Twins on a big deal. He's only hitting 219. His numbers are worse across the board than Paul DeYoung. And Trey Turner who is the Phillies' big acquisition this offseason, he's only been slightly better than Paul DeYoung in some categories, but his OPS is 673, which is down significantly to Paul DeYoung's 770. So is Paul DeYoung the answer the entire time, Jamie? Did the Cardinals make a bit, the right decision by doing absolutely nothing and then falling back in love with Paul DeYoung? Yeah, no. No. I mean, here's the problem I have with it is the numbers, I get it. But that's just over the last, what, two seasons? Or last year? This year. This year. 2023. Small sample size. Let's fast forward. Let's go back. If if we're going to do this, let's go back. Let's take a three-year window. Let's take last year, this year, and then let's add next year when it comes. And let's see what those lines look like. Because I feel like it would be substantially different. Mm -hmm. I mean, those players didn't get that money because they suck. Not every team that was bidding on those players can be wrong. And so, although Paul DeYoung has had a comeback season, really has been, from where he was yeah. to where he is now, is it's like a 180 mm-hmm. for Paul DeYoung. I'm happy for the guy, because I, I haven't met one person that knows him or that has come across him that says that he's not an awesome dude. Yeah, And uh, I know that the, his teammates like him very much. So the fact that he's having some success right now, that's great. But Paul DeYoung is not the answer over any of those guys that you just mentioned, right. Anthony. Like, he, he, not in at least not in this universe. 
this is what we kind of did with Tyler O'Neill the year that he had his his best season, his career year, and we started to compare him to rant to uh, Randy Rosarina. We said, "Oh, look, he's having a better year than Randy Rosarina. Who would you rather have this year, Tyler O'Neill or Randy Rosarina?" And the key two words to that statement was this year. And I was, I'm of course talking about Tyler O'Neill from his his career season, not 2023. But who would you rather have this year? Making the money that they're making. Well, Paul DeYoung is a, is a very good option, as BK Illustrated, compared to these other guys that are making buku bucks. Here's the thing, though, Jamie. And you know this better than anybody, having played a professional sport. And I don't care if it's NHL, M- MLB, NBA, MLS, NFL. You pay big bucks for what? Production. Production and consistency. Yeah. You did not pay, or you, being uh, the Chicago Cubs with Dansby Swanson, or the the San Diego Padres with Bogarts, or the Twins with Correa, or the Phillies with Turner. You did not pay those guys from April to June 21st. You paid those guys what you did to get consistency over the course of their contract. It doesn't always work out, as we know, because free agency is a a big gamble too, but you pay big-time dollars for two things, production, like you said, Jamie, and consistency. And Paul DeYoung has not had production or consistency throughout his entire career. He's had flashes of brilliance as a rookie for half a year, and he's having a very good year this year, at least in terms of, you know, Paul DeYoung status. Yeah, he's giving you exactly what you need from him. So I don't even know, like, I understand... I guess the debate or the conversation around it, but I don't necessarily understand why we have to do that. Why not just be happy for the version of Paul DeYoung that you do have currently? Right. And this is I'm not this is not a, a shot at, at BK because he's right. If you take t- this year's performance based mano a mano here, then yeah, Paul DeYoung seems like the obvious choice dollar wise and performance wise. Mm-hmm. But why not just be happy that Paul DeYoung right now is a guy that you're putting in the lineup every day. You're not having to find him at bats off the bench or sending him to Memphis. Right. So the $9 million, I think, is what he's making this year, I believe. Is that what you said? Roughly, yeah. So roughly $9 million, uh, is actually being put towards a good cause. You're not paying him $9 million to be in Memphis or on your bench. No, you're absolutely right on that. Let me get the Let me get the actual... Figure here. I think it's nine. it's nine million. You're right. Yep, nine million this year. And BK is pointing out the fact that Paul DeYoung's been very good, especially compared to yeah. the the big the big money free agent guys. And I think that's what he's highlighting more than anything. Absolutely, just the fact that Paul DeYoung, uh, for people who may be down on Paul DeYoung or not think he's contributing that that he is. That right. He's he's not near his All Star year, not at this point. But boy. He's a lot closer than he has been for the last couple of years. No doubt. You're getting good value from him. He's going to hit 20 dingers. 20 to 25 dingers this year. He's got 11 already. That's kind of who he is. Really? I know. That's who he is. Paul DeYoung plays a pretty good shortstop for you. He doesn't have elite range, but he's very good defensively. And he's somebody that can hit, depending on how many at-bats he gets, 20 to 25 home runs. And I think he's more than capable, Jamie, of, of hitting 20. I agree. I think he probably gets... Uh, he'll, he may fall in between 20 to 25. Here's the other thing that Paul DeYoung... Allowed you to do, thankfully. Move Tommy Evan to center field. <laughs> yeah. Free up a spot. He By playing shortstop consistently, 
what Paul DeYoung was able to do there is allow you to move Tommy Edmond to center field when you had injuries, allow Nolan Gorman to kind of solidify things at, at second base for you, move Brendan Donovan everywhere. If you had to keep Tommy Edmond at shortstop because you didn't have another one, you didn't have another viable option, i.e. Paul DeYoung, you're going to be in a world of hurt from this roster construction standpoint. All right, it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. We do need a new gauntlet contestant after Jamie won yesterday. Are we still getting, like, uh, free Sam text messages? No. No. No, I think that was Sam. I never know what that was. Yeah, the justice for Sam, I don't know. I thought our math was pretty good on that one. Yeah. Some would say perfect. It was probably something to do with one of the answers. Whatever. I'll just blame Grant. Grant, Grant's doing a great job. Jamie, unfortunately, has to fire you for the uh, fourth time now this year. Keeps coming back. If you want to play in the gauntlet, text in gauntlet 314-399-9646. You have an opportunity to take on Andrew Marsh, Jamie Rivers, and myself next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Warriors, four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? Brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN with Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. We need a new gauntlet contestant. Brent answered the bell today, so Brent's going to join us. What's up, ma'am? What's going on, guys? Not too much. You ready to go here? You first time in the gauntlet? Uh, so I actually, first time in the gauntlet 2.0. I played meat back in the day on the original gauntlet. Oh, wow. So was that like meat with the food trivia? I think it was still random. Okay, I like it. It's been a while. All right, Brent, would, yeah. you, like, would you like to take on Jamie, Marsh, or myself today? Jamie and Bernie. I'm going to go Marshy today. Going to go Marsh today? Marshy. All right, All right. there you go. Tell right. Marsh to spin so. the wheel and then Marsh will get out of here. Marsh, you know the drill. Spin that wheel. All right, there we go. Marsh just spun the wheel. He's getting out of here. Brent, what are we hoping for today? Uh, pulls my strong suit. Anything but hockey. Okay, uh... Marsh still hasn't gotten out, so don't want to. All right, there we go. It is not baseball, but it is not hockey. For a third straight day, we're looking at foosball. How do you feel about football? We'll see. Okay. All right, honest answer. Where are the launch codes? We don't have the launch codes. All right, uh, Jamie. Uh, Usually, does he keep them over by his? All right, Jamie's right. Right now, Jamie's looking for the launch codes. Yep, they found him. There we go. It's top secret stuff here, Brent. Can't just. Oh, have, I know, man. We can't have the answers just sitting around. This show might not be legit in a lot of ways, but we're legit when it comes to the gauntlet. All right. Yeah, that'd be a little suspicious. Yeah. Are you ready, Brent? Yes, sir. Question number one: Who is the Pittsburgh Steelers' all-time leading rusher? Who is the Pittsburgh Steelers' all-time leading rusher? Uh, I'm going to go options here, please. Le'Veon Bell, Franco Harris, Jerome Bettis. Mm, 
Totally gone though. Final answer? Final answer. Alright, Brent. Question number two. What college did Philip Rivers play for? That's my cousin. Oh, I should know this off the top of my head, but give me the answers, please. Was it Pittsburgh, Kentucky, or North Carolina State? Oh, man. Let's go, let's go, let's see, Final answer? Final answer. All right, Brent, question number three. Which XFL team finished with a league-worst 1-9 record this past season? Which XFL team finished with a league-worst 1-9 record this past season? Uh, I want to say, I feel like I need to pick the show. Did not pay that close attention, but let me just say Houston. Houston? Final answer, yes. All right, final question of the day here. Question number four. Who was the quarterback for TCU last season? Mm, Give me the options. Was it Kyle McCord, J.J. McCarthy, or Max Duggan? Uh, I believe it was Max Duggan. Finally, all right. All right, we'll uh, we'll get Marsh back in here. If anybody's looking, all right, here we go. Max Dura, Max, Max Duggan. <laughs> what was his answer? <laughs> Marsh is walking in from the cone of silence here. Yeah, here on one of the Yeah. All right, Marsh is uh, finally making his way back in, taking the water. He's ready to rock. All right, Marsh, you ready to go there? I am all situated, Anthony. Jamie, tell him. Oh, you better pack a lunch, buddy. Okay. For a third straight day, the category is football. Wow, okay. Ready? I'm ready. All right, question number one. Who is the Pittsburgh Steelers' all-time leading rusher? All-time leading rusher. Ooh. I think I'm going to need the options on that one. Le'Veon Bell, Franco Harris, Jerome Bettis. Uh, I don't think uh, Bell and the boss played in Pittsburgh like for a long time. Maybe they did. I don't know. I'm going to go Franco Harris. Final answer? Final answer. Question number two. What college did Philip Rivers play for? Wow. Family was so proud of him. Hmm. You were there that night. It was a fun day. Pick the hat. <laughs> what what college, college did, did we get Philip Rivers play for? I think I know if I use the options. For some reason, NC State is coming to my mind, but I don't think he played there. Let's go with the options. Was it Pittsburgh, Kentucky, or North Carolina State? No way. NC State, final answer. Question number three, Marsh. Which XFL team finished with a league-worst 1-9 record this past season? 1-9? I know who it wasn't. That would be the Orlando Guardians, final answer. Kaka! 
Last question of the day, Andrew, question number four. Who was the quarterback for TCU last season? Oh my gosh. What the hell is his name? Oh, I'm looking right at him. I can picture him. He's here? No. It's like he's staring at the the soundboard. What the? What kind of visions is this guy having again? (laughs) (laughs) Marshy, what are you drinking uh, there? I'll have some. (laughs) Max Duggan, final answer. So nice of Jim's brother, Max Duggan, to come in today, apparently. All right, let's go over this. Brent versus Andrew Marsh. Who is the Pittsburgh Steelers' all-time leading rusher? Brent, with the options, you went with Le'Veon Bell. Marshy, with the options, you went Franco Harris. Correct answer is... Franco Harris, Franco baby. Harris, 1-0 lead A for Andrew Marsh. runner. I love Franco Harris. What college did Philip Rivers, Jamie's brother, Big play pick. for? Brent, with the options, you went with North Carolina State. Marsh, with the options, you also said NC State. Correct answer is... North Carolina State. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's on the board, but Marsh has got a 2-1 lead. Which XFL team finished with a league-worst 1-9 record this past season? Brent, you said, I think i got to take a shot here. Without the options, you said Houston. Marsh, without the options, you said the Orlando Guardians. Correct answer is... Was, in fact, the Orlando Guardians. Marsh... Now, with a 4-1 lead over Brent. Who is the quarterback at TCU last season? Brent, with the options, you said Max Duggan. Marsh, after seeing him in the studio somehow, even though he was not here, (laughs) you also said Max Duggan. Correct answer is... It is, in fact, Max Duggan. Brent. You have chosen poorly. You lose! (laughs) Brent, you answered two of the four corrects. Unfortunately for you, my man, Marsh was... uh, Boy, he was on a heater. He had six to your two... Thank you for listening. Thanks for playing today. Good job, Marcy. Appreciate having you guys. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Brent. Have a great day, man. You too, man. All right, there you have it. Marsh, nice shot, man. You were you were locked in today. He was locked in. Thank you. Yeah, I was uh I was seeing I was seeing him right in right in my my brain and you know, you know, when I see things right in your frontal cortex. Absolutely. Yeah. When I when I vision when I have a vision, they usually come true you huh. know no doubt you yeah. know what i like the most about marshy uh during the gauntlet? hair well I, i'm envious of that but mm. what i like the most about marshy in the gauntlet um unlike other people he takes it seriously he's dialed in i do he wants ultimate success and even though sometimes he has to work through things and and figure out what vision he's having on that day he cares he cares, and he's intense, and he gets angry when he's mad. He gets angry when he knows the answer and then uses the options. He cares. Marshy, I, for one, appreciate you giving all of our listeners 100% all the time. Thank you, Jamie. Sounds like you're maybe uh, throwing some shade at somebody no, else. No, I'm just uh, – you don't – listen, you don't necessarily have to throw shade at somebody by complimenting someone else, sometimes you just recognize the proper behavior and that that go get them attitude. Sometimes you just be recognized that you're mm-hmm. giving everything you've got rather than just mailing it in or trying to be funny. You know, like you're either way, right? So I'm appreciating the good that I see in you every day. Thank you. Your thoughts, Anthony. 
Here are my thoughts, Jamie. Thank you for asking. Well said, Jamie. If I wanted to reach my family's deductible for this year, today, I would punch you square in the mouth. But I'm not going to do that. Nice job, Marshy. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Anthony. We got our guy Jeremy Rutherford next. We'll uh, we'll talk to him about Doug Armstrong's comments and get his reactions now that we're a week away from the Blues draft night. JR next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Cardinals right now trailing 2-0 to the Nationals in the bottom of the six. Miles Michaelis is pitching his uh, baguettes off. But the offense has gone has, has gone cold today. We'll keep you updated on what's going on with the series finale between the Cardinals and the Nationals. We're we're getting closer to the seventh inning, so Cardinals going to make the rally, Jamie. I can feel it. Will they better? What or, or else what? No, they just did better. Fair enough. Jeremy Rutherford now joins us via nice our really celebrity line. What's up, Jr? Jamie with a lot of under his breath comments today. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, he's been snarky today. He's had uh, poor attitude. I thought throughout the course of the show. Really um, poor attitude. But really? the one thing I know That's about Jamie, grand. the one thing I know about Jamie, J, uh, Jr., is that uh, he's a second half player, and we got a, an entire second half here to go. And Jamie's going to give give it his all. I know that. All right, be- better body language. Do we have the cameras in there yet? Can we see the yeah, body we language? Do. Yeah, yeah, we got the cameras. You're welcome. We're not live yet. Though. No, we're, we're not. not. We're not live. live. We're not live yet? No, we're not Damn live it. yet. Yeah. Wear this tank top for nothing? <laughs> I'm sure you got plenty of them, Jamie. I'm sure you got plenty of them. JR, Doug Armstrong with the uh, media availability today via Zoom. Uh, just off the top of your head, what's, uh, what's something you left that interview going, ah, all right, I got it now. Yeah, Riv, a couple things. First of all, you know, I've just been interested the past couple weeks in which path are they going to take. Even when I get asked the questions, what are the Blues going to try to do? Are they going to try to be more competitive this year, or are they going to make these picks and realize that it might take a couple, two or three years to get back into this thing? And I asked Doug Armstrong about that, and he said, yeah, they're right in that rock in a hard place uh, area because they want to try to be competitive, but at the same time, if they don't look at offers, if they're not made trade proposals that give them that option to improve he said then they're fine just making the pick so obviously there's a lot of smoke screens going on you got to be able to read through some of these things Uh, but the one thing is that doug armstrong really is going back and forth with these decisions as to whether he's going to try to make the team more competitive or kind of sit back and secondly riv uh, another takeaway a lot of talk about uh, matev mikov the russian player who's under contract for three more years Doug Armstrong said one of the factors that would come into play here in terms of maybe not being as high on him as other teams, obviously the talent's there, but they haven't seen him a lot. They haven't talked to him. They haven't talked to people around him. It's hard to trade up in the draft, spend a lot of capital, trade players, do whatever you need to do to select a player you've never talked to before. Yeah, JR, that's the one concern that that I have is the unknown there and obviously the waiting period. 
You know, these these guys who sign the KHL deals, uh, you know, every now and then they'll they'll sign a deal right after that. The team kind of will, um, let's say, sell them on the idea of staying in Russia. And I don't know. If I'm Doug Armstrong, unless I know for sure that I'm getting this player at some point down the road and hopefully not in three years, maybe I entertain it. But in this particular draft, don't you think there's enough talent otherwise available for the Blues at that number 10 spot? Yeah, I think there is. And I think also, you know, factoring what I, in what I said a second ago is, you know, if you're going to move from 10 to 5 uh, to get them or 10 to 6, it might not seem like a big jump, but that's a big jump in terms of that team that's going to potentially drop back to number 10. So you're looking at, uh, Doug Armstrong said a few weeks ago, you might not just have to give up a, a late first-round pick, the O'Reilly pick or the Tarasenko pick. You might have to give up an NHL player to go up that high. And, and, and so I agree with you that, he could be a generational talent. Some people have uh, compared Mikoff to uh, Bedard, potentially as bright of a future as him. Uh, but there are players in the draft that the Blues can get a good one at number 10 and not have to give up as much and not have to wait three years for. Jared, what else are you hearing before? I know the deadline's per action, so we're likely to get we're likely to see some more action next next week when the draft is nearing even closer. But what else are you hearing from a free agency standpoint, even if it's not necessarily blues related? What's kind of the gossip right now? Yeah, I think that uh, you know there's going to be several players that, that teams are going to go after, but it's just not as deep this year. It's not, and that's why you know today I think Pierre LeBron at the Athletic had the report that. O'Reilly and Toronto Maple Leafs might uh, talk again, even though it didn't seem like he, he would go back to Toronto at the end of the year. It's just that crop of centers. It's not all that intriguing. And so if they could work out a deal in Toronto, there might be some mutual interest between O'Reilly and the Maple Leafs. So, you know, I don't think there's as deep of a free agency pool. Uh, so teams, that probably leads to more wheeling and dealing. And I think that's what uh, the Blues, if they decide to go down that path that we talked about, about being competitive next year, that the Blues would have to go down in terms of a trade rather than for agency. JR, what the heck is going on with Pierre-Luc Dubois? Because this is a, a guy that was picked high, played in Columbus, had very good success in Columbus, got traded to the Winnipeg Jets. He's only, I believe, 24 years old. Uh, he's a six foot three, 210-pound centerman that, boy, oh boy, he'd look good in a blue note. But uh, what's going on there? Yeah, so he's a situation, a great player. You know, he's put up some numbers early in his career, still young. He wasn't in a great situation in Columbus. Uh, I think he was part of the problem, though. Uh, he wanted to go elsewhere. They trade him to Winnipeg. He goes there. That's kind of been a tough goal for the Jets the past couple of years. Uh, you know, understanding that where are the Jets going? You know, look, they're looking at trading Hellebuck. They're looking at trading uh, Shifley. They might buy out. Wheeler and, and Dubois wants out, right? So he wants to go to Montreal. That's been the word on the street. Uh, but does Montreal want to trade to Winnipeg what it's going to take to bring him? It doesn't look like they do. So what other suitors are involved? Riv, I think there's a number of teams that we'd be interested in Dubois. The Blues, obviously, you're talking about a young, good player. That's where Army's talking. He'd like to go with this thing, uh, but the cost could certainly be too high for them. Jeremy Rutherford joining us right now on the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. No surprise, Ken Hitchcock and Pierre Turgeon are headed to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Jr. I know that uh, both players have, you know, meant things to you throughout your course of your career, especially Ken Hitchcock, as you had an opportunity to cover him when he was the head coach in St. Louis. Uh, what are your thoughts on the the Hall of Fame class, and specifically guys like uh, Ken Hitchcock? 
Yeah, it was a it was a great fun surprise today when I saw that come across with Ken Hitchcock. I was working on a couple other stories, so I was kind of following social media when I hung up with some interviews. And uh, to see that Ken Hitchcock was uh, elected, it was a surprise. I feel like one day I, he was going to get there. I didn't know it was going to be this year. He goes in as a builder uh, right away. You might have seen it on Twitter. I tweeted it, but I texted Ken Hitchcock. I said, congratulations. And he texts back, fooled him again, LOL. <laughs> That's kind of nature Ken Hitchcock is. But, look, he's uh, fourth most wins in, in coaching history. I think he's sixth or seventh most in games coached. He, he certainly helped build the game into what it is today. Maybe there's some ex-players listening right now who say, yeah, maybe didn't build it the right way. But uh, but he, he had success everywhere he went. I think there was a stat a few years ago, guys, that he was one of just a, a few coaches who had 125-plus victories with three different franchises. That says a ton. Also, congratulations to Pierre Turgeon, one of my favorite blues players to watch growing up. And I uh, had the pleasure to interview him several months ago when I was writing a piece about Brett Hall. Uh, he's a guy who is uh, very impactful here in St. Louis, so congratulations to Church too. Yeah, congratulations both those guys. I mentioned earlier just how much I learned about hockey from Ken Hitchcock. He's always willing to sit down, have a coffee, and talk hockey, and I have nothing but respect for the man. I didn't have to play for him, so that's a good thing because <laughs> I probably wouldn't have liked some of his tactics, but they work, and he's a real knowledgeable guy. JR, uh, when it comes to the Hockey Hall of Fame, there's always some omissions, right? There's always guys that get left out. There's a big argument for Alexander McGilney. I, for one, don't understand why you know, he hasn't been in the Hall of Fame. But my biggest beef is Keith Kachuk. You know, I said this earlier. Like, There's only one other player, I believe, in the history of the NHL that has over 500 goals and over 2,000 penalty minutes. It's Brendan Shanahan. And I don't understand how Keith Kachuk keeps getting overlooked when he's one of the best American-born players ever to play the game. Yeah, and I agree with you. McGinley first, uh, I think uh, he's a slam dunk. It's a complete mystery why he keeps getting uh, overlooked. There has to be something, you know, inside that meeting that gets talked about that, that we're just not hearing, but he won, you know, everything that uh, you could have you could win. And we're not just talking NHL, you're talking about international hockey, too. He did that. And then Keith Kachuk, again, one of my favorites. I nominated Keith Kachuk for our Athletic uh, Hall of Fame selection a couple days ago, and I had to do some research, some homework. You know, you mentioned some good numbers there, Riv. I'll give you another couple numbers. This is a guy who everybody ahead of him, I think he's 33rd, 34th on the all-time goal-scoring list. Every single player ahead of him is either in the hall or the couple right before him. You have uh, guys who are going to be in the Hall of Fame in the next couple years. I want to say it's Yager. Uh, Patrick Marlowe is another guy who could get in. So they're not eligible right now. Keith Kachuk is eligible. Next player in line with goal scoring. Also, as you mentioned, look at the penalty minutes. Look at the power play goals, too. They're way up there in every single category. Keith Kachuk definitely deserving. Uh, you know, what does the committee look at? Did, did he do enough throughout his career? Did he win enough? Certainly didn't win a Stanley Cup. Uh, but you talk about one of the first American-born players to score 50 goals. So many other accolades for Keith Kachuk that I think put him in that conversation for sure. Yeah, and what about the international stuff, too? Because when you go to the World Cup of Hockey, he was part of that Team USA that beat Team Canada. Right, yeah. So from an international standpoint, in terms of team wins, that's definitely uh, part of the conversation. I don't know, Riff. You know, there's, uh, there's a few guys every year that we continue to talk about, McGillney being one of the guys every year. Uh, a couple of the guys that uh, had been on that uh, list the past couple years, goalie-wise, you look at Mike Vernon, he gets in today, so... You know, maybe it's a matter of time with Keith Kachuk, but you know, I don't think that he should have to wait as long as he's waited. 
I couldn't agree more. JR, what do you what do you have coming up for the athletic? Yeah, a couple pieces. So uh, we uh, wrote the story uh, talking to Doug Armstrong today about the draft that should be up within the next hour uh, at the athletic. Also, we have part three of our Doug Armstrong inside the. 10-plus years as the Blues GM, Part 3. That's coming out early next week, and we'll have a mailbag, Part 1 and Part 2, also next week before we head to Nashville for live coverage of the Blues Draft. I know 101 ESPN will be there, Alex Ferrario, Tanner Hedrickson, so we'll be down uh, in Nashville with the rest of the gang ready to report from there. Excellent. Looking forward to that. Thanks, JR. Appreciate you. Anytime, guys. Thanks. There you go. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our guy with The Athletic, our Blues Insider. At J.P. Rutherford, if you want to give him a follow on Twitter. City takes on Real Salt Lake tonight, and they're going to be banged up. They've they had a, an outstanding match against Real Salt Lake earlier this year, but again, it might be a different-looking City team. We'll dive into the match next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Your St. Louis City SC MLS team will be in action tonight as they take on Real Salt Lake. And this is a Real Salt Lake team, Jamie, that City SC pounded 4-0, 4-0 earlier this year. Did they ever. But unfortunately for City SC, they could be without several players. We know that Clausdale will not play tonight. He will not be on the pitch. He's dealing with quad injuries still. We don't know the availability. It's, it's questionable, I guess, technically, but I don't, I don't think that Edward Luvon no, he's is out. going to be. Okay, so he's out as well. He's out. And our boy, Kyle Hebert, who got absolutely robbed because uh, the referees in the MLS don't want any contact ever. Uh, well, he was a little aggressive in the box, and it cost him. That's how you're supposed to play, Jamie. You're supposed I, to be physical. Listen, I like it. I like the way Kyle plays. City SC... Plays a physical style. Yep. Defensively, we know that. That's how they generate their offense. They want their fast breaks come from the defensive side. Mm-hmm. Kyle Hebert, our guy's just doing his job. Nonetheless, he's going to be out again tonight uh, due to the red card in his last game. Wow. I have to talk to our guy about that. It'll be fine. Real Salt Lake, well, they struggled to start the season. They lost five of their first seven games, conceded 16 goals since then. Real Salt Lake has gone on a pretty incredible run. They, they've lost just twice in the last 15 games, also securing um, leaders with eight victories and five draws. Grand scheme of things, Real Salt Lake has only dropped one of their last seven MLS games. They've been very good on the road as well. However, Real Salt Lake, they've allowed 28 goals this in 18 games this season. They're one of the poorest defensive teams in the West. And again, City SC, they scored four goals against this team earlier in the year. Yeah, much earlier in the year. Whatever. Uh, mind you. And look at this is a Real Salt Lake is a team that you're you're not going to surprise them this time. And that I think that's what you're going to see a lot of um, in these games where a city starts playing teams for the second or third time, or second time rather, not the third, that they're going to be a little more ready for them. They're going to be ready for the uh, not the shock of it, but that 
this is not an expansion team. This is a legit team that's playing first place soccer. And one thing we can't forget too against Real Salt Lake, Klausdale, uh, he had two goals in that game. Klausdale had two goals in that game. That's how early in the season it was. You don't have Klaus. You don't have Leuven. You don't have Hebert. This team's been rolling pretty good as far as Real Salt Lake is concerned. I don't know how you adjust your game at this point. And I know that Bradley Carnell is probably going to say we don't adjust our game. We just play exactly the way we play, and that's how come we've had success. But you've had that success for the fact that certain guys have been in your lineup too, and they're not. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that affects City SC versus Real Salt Lake. But again, I don't think I don't think City SC is sneaking up on anybody anymore. No, I don't think so either. You're right. I think the book is. I don't want. I don't want to say the book is out on. Has been out on because City SC has played so well. But I've brought this up before. We've talked to Kyle Hebert about it. It almost seems like the teams that play the same style as City SC tend to frustrate City the most. It's the teams that that also are patient, that don't necessarily need to play this high percentage possession game. Those are the teams that have given City uh, trouble, certainly offensively. City SC, I think, does such a remarkable job of forcing opponents to make mistakes that when their opponents are patient and cautious it tends to be lower scoring games. I don't know what what they can do to adjust things to your point losing losing key players. It is that next next man up mentality. But I think that tonight's going to be a very low scoring game even for soccer standards. I think this is this is one of your I think this is like a a 1 a 1-0 one 1-1 one, one, one game. I do not think they get the, they get to four goals. See, I look at it differently. You've got a team that is porous defensively in Real Salt Lake, and you've got another team that is missing some significant pieces to their lineup. And St. Louis City SC absolutely thrives upon turnovers and then fast breaks, getting up the pitch as fast as they can, and transition, if we're using hockey terms, transitioning up the field. I see it being to where there's going to be a lot of opportunities for offense to be created. I see this as like a 4-2 to two game. Really? I, yeah, and no. I yeah, I do. I do. I think that Real Salt Lake is going to try and you know open up the throttle. St. Louis City SC is going to do the same. What it's going to do is going to create a lot of opportunity for for counters to where you get that ball booted up the field and you're gone on offense. I think that St. Louis City SC is going to be a little weaker defensively, so Real Salt Lake is going to try and push the pace that way. They're going to make mistakes and they're not good defensively to start with. I see this being a high scoring game. Interesting. Yeah. If we set the total at three. I'm going over. All right. Under. Well, yeah, you said that already. Whatever, Jamie. What are you mad at me for? I'm reaffirming what you said. Get out of here. All right. I got the under. You got the over. Gentleman's bet. Giacchini. He's got seven goals now in the season. He's been outstanding. Here's where you miss Edward Leuven, though. He he leads the team in assists. Mm-hmm. He's got six six assists in sixteen games and five goals. So you're all around guy. Stroud is still up there. He can make a difference. But Klausdale, uh, Klaus had nine points in nine games, five mm-hmm. goals and four assists. You need that guy back like yesterday. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he's going to miss at least another three. It weeks could be or yeah, something. it could be well two to four weeks. Woof. And he's he's already been he's already missed over 
a month. I mean, we're looking at what a month, month and a half now. I feel yeah. like Lost has been out. Hey, we have your chance right now to win a four pack of tickets to next Tuesday night's Budweiser Bash for Cardinals versus Astros. Next week's Bud Bash game features a limited edition Mark Witten bobblehead. Text in now, 314-399-9646 to win Budweiser Bash tickets for Cardinals versus Astros. Here's your trivia question today. With it being a Mark Witten bobblehead night, which team selected Mark Witten with the... Uh, let's see here. He was... Well, he, he went in the 1986 amateur draft. Let's just say that. Which team drafted Mark Witten? In 1986. If you have the correct answer, text in 314-399-9646. You have an opportunity to win those Bud Bud Bash tickets. And you can find all the details on this season series of Bud Weiser Bash Cardinals games now at cardinals.com slash promotions. If the Cardinals find an ace, does everything else just fall into place? I didn't mean to rhyme there, but it was beautiful nonetheless. That's next on 101 ESPN. (laughs) We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I hate to say it because I really like Dylan Carlson, but I think in this discussion, Carlson has to be the odd man out. Edmund just plays too many positions too well. And he also stays very, very healthy. New Bar, he's just a proven on-base guy. I just don't think that you want to get rid of a guy who gets on base at such a great clip. And he also plays good defense. So I think Carlson, he's just been more inconsistent and more unhealthy than those other two guys. So I think he's the one that would have to go if you had to choose. We appreciate the mic drop from Mark there, and he was responding to the question that we threw out regarding Jim Bowden's article in The Athletic. Top players, the top 100 players that GMs would be interested in at the trade market this year. And he mentioned two Cardinals. He mentioned Lars Newpar, and he mentioned Tommy Edmond. So what we did was we expanded the conversation. We included Dylan Carlson and said, if you could get top-end pitching, would you deal one of those guys if to, you know, you might have to give up prospects, maybe not an Avon Herrera, certainly not a Mason Wynn or, you know, any of your top young pitching. But would you be willing to give give up one of those players to get pitching not only for this year, but for the, the at least next year too? So cost control pitching is what we're talking about. So Mark threw threw Dylan Carlson's name and said, All right, you know, I'd be give, I'd be getting rid of him. Marsh, you said the same guy. Jamie, you said the same guy. Yes. For me, whether it's Newt or Carlson, I think you're kind of splitting hairs. Both young guys, both both talented in their own ways. Dylan Carlson, more of a, a top prospect early on, but that doesn't matter at this point. It's it's about what they're going to do from here on uh, here on forward. Uh, but I agree with Mark. Tommy Edmonds become invaluable. I mean, you cannot you can't move him. He, he won a gold glove at second base. He settled the shortstop position last year when Paul DeYoung was sent down and, and ineffective, and now he's playing center field for you because he had injuries. So what, Tommy Edmonds um, kind of off the table. So that, that brings up a uh, an interesting discussion from from my standpoint here. Tommy Edmonds making $4.2 million this year. Mm-hmm. He's under team control for another two years. What would a contract extension look like for Tommy Edmond? Like, if you're the Cardinals, 
and you're seeing just how valuable Tommy Edmond is right now in different areas of the the field. Mm-hmm. Do you offer a five year deal? Because what is he here? How old is he? Tommy Edmond, twenty eight. Twenty eight years old, a five year deal. The player would be giving up two two shots at arbitration. But in return, you know, you lock him up for three years additionally. I think you'd have to go five-year deal for him to give up two more kicks at arbitration, don't you think? Yeah, you're buying. You would be buying out two years of his arbitration, and then adding three years of free agency. Yeah, probably. I think that's a. I think that's a good. Now I I can't tell you estimate. what that contract looks like. Because Tommy Edmond looking at four point two million and two more arbitration cases where he can take the team to arbitration, mm-hmm. uh, he's probably looking for fair market value. I just don't know who you compare him to. Right. Who do you compare him to around the league right now? Is there another utility-ish player like this? Like, uh, y- there's got to be somebody around the league that you could use as a comparable. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's guys that have that have, that have moved around. I mean, Jazz Chisholm out yeah, down in Miami. The, to the degree of Tommy Edmond, though, yeah, in terms gold of being glove, productive, baseman, no. a finalist for a Gold Glove at shortstop, and now in center field, we're seeing what he can do. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure there is on the spot, off the top of my head. Yeah, no, I wasn't trying to. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it's a good question though, Jamie. It's a so, real good question. If you're the Cardinals, so do you do that? Yeah. Let's just talk in let's just talk in general purposes, okay? Because we don't we don't know what the market is gonna is gonna look like. In fact, the Cardinals don't know what the, the market's gonna look like. He's not going to market. And maybe that's that's a case to say, well, why don't you just kind of let it play out? But Tommy Evans has been a really consistent player for you. But I think I think go, heading into next year, maybe you look at a contract extension for him. Or a contract period. Like I'm talking like this offseason coming up. This is who you pay for. Consistent, somebody that's not going... You're, you're not talking about a $100 million player. You're talking about paying, again, for what, Jamie? That consistency. Yeah. And I, the flexibility. I think it's worth it. Mo's in love with that word, flexibility. This is the ultimate flexibility. Having a guy that can play middle infield and anywhere in the outfield mm-hmm. and, and right now excelling at center field. Yeah. I mean, these are the kinds of contracts that the Cardinals should make. Extending Matt Carpenter when they did was unnecessary. Extending, I don't know, pick your latest Cardinal that didn't work out right. Doing that like... Carlos Martinez. Yeah, Carlos Martinez is certainly there. But extending Tommy Edmond, I think, is quite honestly, I think, the most financially safe thing to do. Mm -hmm. Like, if you give him a five-year deal worth, what, 80, or not 80, 40 million? Yeah, that's, I think, the range you're looking at. I mean, why would you not pay that? 45. Okay, so yeah. between 40 and 45. If you're Tommy Edmond, you kind of have to look at that and go, woof, mm-hmm. that's a good chunk of change for a sixth-round draft pick. Yeah. And it's job security for the next five years on a team that, contrary to what our fan base right now or some of them say, <sighs> that a team that is competitive. He's never going to play. Tommy Edmond won't have to play on a crap team even though they're having a crap year. I mean, for a player, that's an attractive offer. Mm-hmm. And for the Cardinals, the the, the, the attractiveness is obvious. Yep. You get a guy who can play any position on the diamond, pretty much. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Jamie, if the Cardinals were to get an ace... Get me Edmund on line three. I'm the president now. 
That's true. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Now he's playing, so I think uh, as a president, I don't care. There's a phone in that dugout, isn't there? In fact, I'll have to wait. He's on first base. He's on first base now. Jamie, if if the Cardinals were to get an ace, whether that comes up comes up through the organization or in free agency or at the trade deadline, if they were to get an ace, does everything else fall into place for you? My, I guess my question is, how far are the? And this is it's kind of a crazy thought because they're they're eight games back and they they're in the midst of a bad year, a down year. But we know the talent they have offensively. If they can settle things, or they have settled things defensively, if they were to get a bona fide ace, does everything fall into place for them? It kind of does, honestly. Because you're looking at the pitching here. Uh, Jordan Montgomery had himself a really good start yesterday. Miles Michaelis given up two runs in this game, but he's had himself a really good game. And he's pitched through seven innings. So when you got those two, and if you added player X... Yeah. who is the ace. That's three guys now that you're pretty sure you know what you have. Mm-hmm. Then you got Jack Flaherty. He's going to have that stinker once every three or four games. Uh, you've got Adam Wainwright, who, you know, I he still hasn't hit, you know, what I think, what I would call his stride yet this year. But, you know, he's three runs a game, six, seven innings. Yeah. Kind of know what you've got. And it also takes some of the pressure off of Matthew Libertor. Because mm-hmm. Matthew Libertor has kind of been knocked around a few here. In the, in the last couple starts, and he would be he honest. He would be the guy out. He'd have to be if you were if you were to get an ace. I think about this this starting rotation. If you were to get an ace, Miles Michaelis becomes your de facto number two. Okay, Jordan Montgomery becomes your de facto number three. Okay, Jack Flaherty becomes your de facto number four. Uh-huh. Okay, and Wade Adam right Wainwright five. Yeah, it, it does kind of fall in place. I'm not saying this; it's a World Series team, but it does kind of put in perspective. What an ace! What an ace would do for this team. Now, unfortunately for the Cardinals, aces aren't available down uh, aisle seven there at Costco. You got to develop them. A lot, most of the time, you have to develop those guys. If you're the Cardinals, you definitely have to develop those guys because you're unlikely to sign them in free agency, and you're not giving up what it will take to get them in in the trade uh, at the trade deadline or in a trade off season in the off season. But this team, this team got off to such a horrendous start. But if they merely had the top end pitching to go with this offense, uh, and I'm just talking about one, just one guy in particular, I don't think they're that far off from winning winning this division. And you know, then then you play the we'll see game. Well, the sick and twisted thing is they could stand they could stand pat and still have a chance to win this division. You shut your mouth. And I'm stop carrying you. the water from. I'm Mo. not carrying any water. You're around. carrying water. I don't like it. I'm trying. If you'd listen for a second, you'd I understand. I don't want to listen. Well, no kidding. You've proven that already. But if the Cardinals are able to do that with the team that they've got currently, then adding an ace certainly improves your chances of getting past the first round, which you haven't done for a number of years now. So I think that, yes, getting an ace would certainly help. Where do you find them? I don't know. I have no idea who you're going to get. Shohei Otani. There you go. He'd solve a lot of issues, Jamie. Uh-huh. All right, it's the Fast Lane on 101 at ESPN. Our Sports 6 pack is next. 314-399-9646 is our Air Comfort Service text line. If you have a question for us, great. Send it in. Sports 6 pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. 
question. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is refreshed by Mackie O'Brien's, your go-to Irish pub in St. Louis for over forty-two years. 501, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Jamie Rivers, Andrew Marsh, I'm Anthony Stalter. Time for the Sports 6 back. If you have a question, you still uh, can get a question in. 314-399-9646 is our Air Comfort Service text line. Question one, please. Question number one. From the 573, I have a great question. Why do people think Tommy Edmond is the f***? He's an infielder through and through. Might as well put Wayno at third base. He covers a lot of area. Wayno's a big dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's got the foot speed anymore to uh, be, especially with the shift. You know, being banned. Yeah, that uh, makes sense. I don't hate the idea though. Good call. I don't think that was his question though. Oh, Tommy Edmond has played great in center field. He's been great in center field. He also has provided so much. You know, people tend to think, but well, it's just. Let's look at his his offensive numbers. He has been so valuable. I know war is not the best statistic, but it does kind of... It's one of those Mm -hmm. metrics that has the all-encompassing how valuable are you as a player. And I think right now he's a 1.3 war player. Last year, he was above a 1 war. In terms of... Like the future, we're not talking about the future in, in the same same breath as like Jordan Walker is the future. Tommy Edmond, if you're if you're gonna win something of significance, I think having a Tommy Edmond type player on your roster is almost necessary. It's it we overlook it because he's not Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, or what the, the Cardinals really need, which is an ace. But that, that, that shouldn't take away from how valuable he is as a player. Question two, please. Question number two. From the 217, which do you think has a better chance of happening in London? Wayno being his vintage self and throwing seven plus scoreless or a combined 35 runs for uh, from both teams over the span of both games? Hmm. Probably the 35 runs. Whoa. You don't believe in Wayno? You know well, my answer. Guaranteed three runs, at least, because that's what he's been doing the last two or three starts. Is... That's not 35, though. No. My God, Jamie. Anthony, what's your answer then? Uh, I'm going to go with Marsh's vision. Yes. Vintage Wayno in London. Yes. And afterwards, he goes out to the mound, sets up a tea set, and has tea and crumpets. Tea and biscuits for everybody. A little tea work with tea? Yeah. That's what I envision. That's how I envision my Adam Wainwright. Vote Wayno. I will say, though, I'm not going against my vision, but... You don't even believe yourself. Like a 9-8 game, a 10-7. That might put you up there with 35 runs total in two games. I mean, 35 is a high number. I didn't. I, I'm not saying that, that you'd have to hit the exact. 35. I just meant that both games are going to be high probably score. high score. When I didn't know I was I was married to the name 35, you know? The when, name, the number 35. <laughs> <laughs> Who's 35? <laughs> Jamie, I can't believe you're texting 35. 
When the Giants and Padres played earlier this year in Mexico, the totals for those games were like 18 and a half, 19. That was insane. And I think they hit the over in two of the three games, if I remember correctly. I don't know what I don't know what the totals are going to be in London. Have you looked at the I'd dimensions yet? I have chance? not. I no, haven't either, I have so I don't know. And I don't know, like elevation. It's on my to do list. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Like <laughs> the elevation was a huge factor in Mexico. Yeah, it was. The balls I, really fly there. They really do. I don't know if that'll be the case in London. I wouldn't think so. So. Marsh was so that was so you were so uh you're so like thoughtful in that you're so the, uh, the yeah did the, the, the dimensions question I you're so you genuine that, I you're asked so you genuine that question about it. like you had the answer right in front of you <laughs> <laughs> Marsh is like have you checked out the yeah. dimensions yet of the London have you seen ballpark? The, the stadium though no uh, I, they were showing some pictures on Valley Sports Midwest mm-hmm. looks pretty cool does it yeah that's, that's where a pretty um, good job. Ted Lasso and his squad played in that stadium. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just, my wife and I just got into Ted Lasso. Did you? Yeah, we're in season. Both of you? Yeah. Question number three. Anthony, what are your thoughts on Ted Lasso? Well, the TV show, Jamie, I think is outstanding. Yeah, we're in season one. I don't know how it unfolds. I think we're, we're, we're like 10 episodes in. I think it's great. I was not expecting the, him, the character, to be like the the optimistic mm-hmm. uh you know lovable kind of goofball that's all, that's also got a strong message i, I didn't yeah. i didn't see that coming i think the characters are really strong jamie you know i'm a i'm a i'm a big time football player or fan yes you are so it's just uh, it's ironic that you're watching ted lasso who's very you know charismatic you know has the the believe slogan yet mm-hmm. you come on this show and you have this really sp- bad attitude the same way he's charismatic the though he's got that part down thanks absolutely Jamie. you're welcome anthony thanks man yeah <laughs> got you but anthony like the cardinals are thanks, giving, buddy. they're giving you three good reasons why they why they're back <laughs> back to upside could took me a second back to back to the struggles anthony stop it <laughs> Ted Lasso, great show. It is. Have you seen the uh, like of the all the seasons? I'm I still have not finished season three. For some reason, I was I was up to date with every single episode, and then for some reason, I I missed life, one week. Life happened, and then I missed the second week, and I haven't been back on the wagon since. So I still have a few episodes left. How about you, Jamie? I've been checked on the up? wagon for a while. You have or have not? Mm. What? Have you been watching it? Do you watch oh, it? That. Have no. you watched it? No. no okay. I All right. Yet. <laughs> I watched like two episodes one time a long time ago. I liked them very much, but yeah. then just, it life, just didn't stick. Life yeah. happens. That happens. Same thing. Question with breaking, number four. Breaking Bad for us. We watched like the first two episodes. We're like, oh, this is really good. And for some reason, we never went back. You should absolutely go back. It's yeah. a response I, I would get. drop everything that you do uh, when we're kids. done with this show. <laughs> The kids specifically breaking bad all the way, yeah. Right. And yeah. then when you're done, watch Better Call Saul. Yeah, those that's where I'm at right now. Great so, show. Ashley got me on to Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. and uh, at first I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, yeah. That I was hooked immediately, and now she's got me on to Better Call Saul, and it is uh, very good as well. So that's where we go with our TV right now. We usually only have time for like one episode of something every night Mm because life just is moving at an incredible frenetic pace. Right. Yeah. I recommend it to Anthony. 
Fair enough. If you ever listen to me ever about anything, just one thing, make it that one. Jamie, I listen to you for life advice a lot. Mm-hmm. I do too. Marsh, we have one rule. One rule on this show. Can I guess what it As is? As the younger statesman, and I don't know if I'm using that word correctly, but it sounds good. Mm-hmm. As the younger statesman on this show, we have one rule for you. You do not follow Jamie and my life plan. Okay? What? I would disagree, Marsh. Sure, you'll have fun. I think, how about this? Sure, there'll be some great highs, some high highs. I think I could tinker with it. I mean, we're in a pretty good spot right now, are we not? We are. Yeah. Yeah. You tinker away, Marsh. I'll tinker. You just. (laughs) I'll tell you that much. (laughs) DeMarsh is looking at our lives like, I'm going to go a la carte on this one. I'm just going to pick and choose what I like. I'm going to select a few items from each aisle. Yeah. (laughs) I like this. I like this. Ooh, I do not like that one. (laughs) I know which one that is. Anyways, question four uh, from the 314. Would you rather see a single season home run record be broken or Joe DiMaggio's hit streak broken? A single season home run or uh, the home runs? Again, we got asked this question yesterday about uh, what's his name? Barry Bonds. Nope. No, the other guy who's leading the James league. James Bond. No, the, the young guy there who's leading the league in hitting. Luis Arise. Yeah. Uh, and it's the home runs. Yeah. Nobody tunes in to see if a guy gets a single. Hey, you better, you better get to your TV set. That guy might hit a, a, a bloop single to right field. Mm-hmm. No, nobody's doing that. Mm-hmm. No. Same answer for me. Home runs. Yeah, I don't know if I like the, the hit streak one. It just seems... I know we do the beat the streak, but, man, I like the home runs a lot better and... You know, Jamie said it was super easy to get hit. So, yeah. I mean, why would I? Why would I care about that one, right? If it's super easy, I definitely got to go with home runs. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, is like if the hit streak is climbing up there, and a player is like five or six games away from it, yeah, probably two in the end at that point. But if if there was somebody who simultaneously was a, you know, inching closer and closer to the home run record. You're definitely turning that one on first. Mm-hmm. And you check the update about the guy with the hit record. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good for him. Question number five. From the 314, who do we think the Blues will name their next captain? Who will it be? Well, if it's if everything stays the way it is. BS. Right? Very well said, Anthony. Wow. Um, good thing you said it before I'm what I'm about to say right mm. now. Braden Chen. Oh. There you go. Yeah. What'd you say, Mark Stone? Bart, Bart Star. Star. Bart Star. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, Bart Star, 2022 award winner. <laughs> oh, that's true. He's representing. Anytime, anytime we mention Kirk Cousins, we should say it that way. Like Marcelo Zuna from the Atlanta Braves. Yes. We um <laughs> Braden Shen is clearly your captain on this team, in my opinion. Just with his both with the way he carries himself and with the way he plays. He's, he's been a, a very good veteran to a lot of the young guys. Jake Neighbors, we know, was living at his house. Uh, Braden Shen will give you his left arm to win a hockey game. Like He's going to play through injury. So I think that he exemplifies what I would like in my captain. Only thing that could change that is an off-season acquisition or signing of a player that you deem to be more of a captain or maybe a former captain from your team if that situation presented itself 
question number six. Uh, we were talking about shows a few questions ago, and you know this show has uh, baseball ties to it. And I think this could be a controversial question, but take it or leave it. Seinfeld is overrated. I'm not going to go there. I, I could I could see why it's not everybody's cup of tea. Answer to go back question. to the the London. Just answer it. Uh, but it's not overrated. That's your final the answer. The unique the unique way in which can I talk? My word, Jamie. The unique way in which the show it was outlined that the the whole premise of you know it's a show about nothing. It really is. But to have have the run that it did. The character development that it did, but to not have you know like Breaking Bad, I, I, well I haven't seen. It. I know the premise of it. A lot of shows have, you know, build, it builds one episode after. Seinfeld really didn't. It was just all about the characters, and I, I thought that with the success that 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 it had and the uh, the kind of the uniqueness of the time of the way that the, the show ran, I I would not call it overrated. But again, I would understand why it's not not everybody's cup of tea. Another London London reference for you, Jamie. Yeah, um, I never really got into Seinfeld. I'd watch it, and I was entertained when it was on and whatnot, but I wasn't like a, you know, gotta see it, can't miss it. So mm. I really don't, I wish I had a better opinion to add to this because I don't know if it was overrated or not. When I watched it, maybe it, maybe it was overrated based on what I just said. When I watched it, I liked it, but I, it wasn't can't miss TV for me. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Who's your favorite character? Kramer. Hands down. Uh, Kramer Robertson. Uh, yeah. Anthony reminds me of Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Loyal. Good guy. Uh, great chest hair. <laughs> Reminds me a lot of him. Thanks, Thanks Jamie. Erratic. Very. I am kind of erratic. I'll give you that. What was Kramer's first name? Cosmo. Cosmo. That's Cosmo right. Kramer. I remember. I knew it was something funny. Uh, my favorite character is George Costanza's dad, who is Ben Stiller, Stiller's father. Who oh, I think he's passed yeah. away now. I think he did. I think yeah. he passed away. The com- he absolutely hilarious. His, his time, the way he says, I mean, just the the outburst. I mean, he's my favorite. I think my two favorite moments of Seinfeld. One of them is the race. Yeah, he wants to with the ribbon with the yeah, <laughs> and the one where George walks into work after he's already been fired. I think that's one. Maybe I'm thinking of a different. There, there was a t- there was a time where he was parking his he was leaving his car out in the parking lot, and it was always there early and late. Obviously, because I think it, I think it broke down, so his boss would see the car mm-hmm. when he got to work, and then it was still in the parking lot when he left work. Because so he thought George was burnt, like burning the midnight oil. <laughs> so he like promoted him and everything. It was it's a good episode. All right, moving on. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We'll give you the Cardinals update. Yeah. News flash. It ain't good. I want to get Jamie's thoughts on this. Since Jamie was sending the Cardinals some inappropriate picks last night. You don't know. I want to get Jamie's thoughts on uh, on the relationship yeah. next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well hit by Abrams, way back there. See 
you later off the bullpen bench. And C.J. Abrams on a day that's tough to do it goes the other way for number seven. Well, an absolutely despicable performance today by your St. Louis Cardinals as the Nationals take the Cardinals down 3-0. Cardinals, don't worry, guys. They avoided the sweep. Wow. Had a nice little four-game winning streak going. Some would call that hot. I would just call that a start. And you didn't bother to put your best lineup together. So it started with a managerial gaffe, not having Jordan Walker in the lineup. You're sick, Anthony. Which tells you everything. It tells you all you need to know about where this team is. If you want to be an angry fan, you can be, but at least get the facts correct. Paul Goldschmidt, O for Gopher, O for four for him. Willis Contreras, O for Gopher himself. That's an O for eight. Two of your best players, O for eight. Fortunately, Nolan Arenado got a hit, but uh, wasn't enough. Your offense stunk today. Waste wasted. A golden start by Miles Michaelis. His first of the month. So you go 3-0. Now you got a couple of days to sit on this before you go to London. It's brutal, Jamie. Start to finish. Outside of Miles Michaelis and Lars Newport, who collected two hits. You got to win this game, Jamie. You got to build some momentum. I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, they won two of three. Great. Against the Nationals. You can't afford to not pile up the wins now. You had your fun in April. You goofed around in April. You got off to such a horrendous start. You got to. St- it's this thing called momentum. You got to start building it, Jamie. Yeah. So I don't want to hear your crap. If, well, it, if that's what you're going to spew. One, I'll do whatever the hell I want. You won't tell me what to do. Fair Secondly, enough. Um, I said this multiple times with pushback from you on several occasions. This team is either feast or famine <laughs> with their offense. Okay. You look at the output that they had yesterday. And then today, I did not see that coming. It goes to zero. <laughs> it's unacceptable. And like I've told you several times, Anthony, you can't win with an offense that's feast or famine like that. You can't. You can't. Man, you play dirty pool. And other things that are dirty about you. Thank you. This is unacceptable, quite honestly. And yes, they won the series. That's great. Congratulations. It'd be fine if you were a 500 team. And you were two or three or four games back, even a first place to be fine. Hey, we won the series. Mm-hmm. It's not okay when you lose a game to the Washington Nationals. Now, albeit their record is pretty similar to yours. Yeah, they only have three three fewer losses after uh-huh. today. But no, all jokes aside, you got to. These are the games you have to tuck away. You have mm-hmm. to win these games. These should be automatics and. You know, Jordan Walker not being in the lineup wasn't ideal. He was out due to an illness, and um, you know that these things happen over the course of a season. Yeah. One individual should not be able to ruin the output of a team, like especially right. when you have Arenado, Goldschmidt, Contreras, those guys, Gorman. I don't know where Gorman's been. I'm gonna start looking on milk cartons for this guy. He got a hit. Yeah. Did you see it? It was a screamer to the. It was about seven pitcher slash third baseman. The exit velo on it was about 7.5 miles per hour. They actually tried to classify it a bunt, but they gave him an, in, an infield hit. That reminds me of Black Sheep, Tommy Boy, when he pulls him over, and they're like high on the laughing gas. And the mm-hmm. cop pulls him over. He goes, do you know how 
how fast you were going, sir? <laughs> well, I could get this puppy up. <laughs> I got 20, uh, probably get up to 60. Of course, I never do unless I'm chasing a cute chick in a Ferrari. <laughs> oh, so 90, 92, seven. Seven miles an hour. Don't Rose. know if I appreciate some of the texts we're getting right now. What? Roads. Oh, from the 618. Uh, Walker was sick. Jamie sent inappropriate pictures. It's all coming together now. Walker saw the picture. Hmm. Wow. That's some pretty good detective work by our listeners. It is. Who said it was an inappropriate picture? I did. I know you did, but what? who said it was? You did last night when you ah, said what, what sort of pictures it was. Oh, I said... I sent them deck pictures. I have a brand new deck put on my house. It's mm. beautiful. It's got the the metal railings, but the composite decking and all that. Mm. So I said, I sent the Cardinals deck pics. Now, why would you send the Cardinals deck pics? Well, some of these guys have homes that they're looking to, you know, build out in the back. I know that Tommy Edmond, he's expecting a child. Congratulations, Tommy. And I know that right now, the stairs on the back of his house are a little mm. steep. He'd probably like to flatten that down, maybe multiple levels. Mm-hmm. My guy is great with decks. Gotcha. Okay. See? So Tommy Edmund sees that. He goes, hey, honey, I got it covered. Jamie Rivers sent me a deck pick. Okay. Jamie, just for your own knowledge, your phone auto-corrected to, to something else. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Was Just, it Doc? Nope. Yeah, I got it. Because he's going to the Lake of the Ozarks yeah, here I got, soon. I have a great Doc, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's it's big, long. It's yeah. great. You can park it pretty much anywhere. Sometimes anywhere. It's, it's tough to get it in the water where I'm at because it's so large, mm, but yeah. a great Doc. That makes sense. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd I check those text messages again just to make sure you're. It was Dak. Setting the right Auto thing. delete. Dak. Okay. Yeah. Dakota Hudson. It wasn't that. No. We need to bring him up. Uh, all jokes aside, here, Jamie, I'm with you. First of all, we're being yeah, facetious. We're being facetious about Jordan Walker. He was sick. Nothing you could do. But you, you've lost. You've lost that margin of error. You gave it away. You gave it away when you had a bad April. So, a series in you know June. Against Washington, who's thirteen and twenty six at home after today, and you win the first two games. I get it. Washington's paid to win baseball games too, but zero. You post a you post a, a goose egg against Trevor Williams. Trevor Williams dotted you. That's wild thing for six innings. Wild you thing, Williams. You didn't generate a single walk against Trevor Williams today. He threw 75 pitches, 50 of which were strikes. He was he was in the strike zone all day long. And you, you posted five hits against him. Now, you had a couple of opportunities to rally, but you weren't good with runners in scoring position, which has been, unfortunately, a theme. 0 for 6 today. Contreras was 0 for 1. Arnado 0 for 1. Goldschmidt 0 for 1. Carlson 0 for 1. Gorman 0 for 1. Newbar 0 for 1. You had some opportunities. There's a point, too, where Wilson Contreras... Well, it wasn't the best A.B. because you had runners at first and second, he, and he did move the runners into scoring position when you were down 2-0 at that point. Uh, he, he gave you the chance, and you couldn't, you couldn't get anything done behind him. It's a good series overall. You win two of three. But after, drop, after, after just the miserable stretch that you had before that Mets series in which you took two of three, that's disappointing today. But now you go to London, you got a couple days off, you go to London, we'll see what the pitching matchups wind up being. 
Wainwright's going to start one of those games. I, I I would imagine, Jamie, that's going to be the first the first game in that series. But that one gets going on Saturday out in London. So maybe it's a situation where this team becomes galvanized. I don't know. Yeah, Wainwright's scheduled to pitch against Justin Steele on Saturday. And on Sunday, it looks like it's going to be Jack Flaherty versus Marcus Stroman, who's been outstanding for the Cubs in his second year since signing with them in free agency. All right. Cardinals lose 3-0. It's Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. we got our biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'm Andrew Marsh. It's time for a Sports Center update brought to you by Saliga. Heating and cooling the cards. Lose to the Nationals today by a final score of 3 to nothing. They fail to get the sweep. So their four-game winning streak comes to an end. They will be off tomorrow and Friday. They're taking on the Chicago Cubs this weekend. First game in London is on Saturday, 12-10 first pitch. Of course, if you want to hang out with the opening drive, Patios is the place to be on Saturday. Cards and Cubs first pitch, 12-10 on Saturday. Tonight, we have City SC taking on Real Salt Lake, 730 Start time at City Park. We talked about City and how they will overcome some of their injuries. If you missed anything from today's show, including our interview with JR or our talk on City SC, make sure you go to 101ESPN.com or use the 101 mobile app. It's all brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We have our biggest question of the day coming up next. I'm Andrew Marsh, and the Sports Center update is brought to you by Seliga. Heating and cooling. An independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealer. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. With Jamie Rivers and Anthony Salter, here's Andrew Marsh with our biggest question of the day. All right, gentlemen. Earlier today, Doug Armstrong had a pre-draft press conference, and one of the questions that he was asked was, you know, basically how difficult will it be to get the right player or the right type of player under the cap with where the Blues are currently in their cap situation? Uh, I want to play Doug Armstrong and what he said first, and then, of course, I want to get your take on uh, the whole situation. So here is Doug Armstrong from earlier today. I think that all 32 teams now understand the cap system and and very rarely does anyone make a phone call not knowing what the team's cap situation is and, and then have an idea on how to placate the, the situation saying I can take this player, would he be available uh, as, as part of the salary needed to go the other way to make this deal happen. And so I think everybody understands what, what we have to deal with and uh, you know, you, you don't you don't get many teams offering $10 million players when they know you're at the cap for a draft pick. It just, it, it's a wasted phone call. There has to be some business side of the cap that's involved in every discussion. So what's the question overall? What's, well, the, biggest, what's the biggest question? How difficult will it be to fit the right players under the cap? And how does that you know, ultimately affect the Blues this upcoming year. I think that it's going to be 
very difficult to add to the top of this roster given the cap space you have. I do think as we head into the offseason, we need to account for the additions that Doug Armstrong made at the trade deadline because they were they were for this upcoming season. Verana, Kasperi Kapanen, those two guys were acquired. Uh, who, who else am I missing? Sammy Blay? Yep. Those guys were acquired with the idea that they were, they were going to help you throughout the rest of the last season as well as next year. So those essentially were three off-season moves that you need to kind of look at it if you're going to look big picture. To just look at what Armstrong is going to do in this year's upcoming free agency, given the limited cap space, yes, you're going to be probably disappointed. He just doesn't have the cap space. And you can talk about trading guy, why not trade this guy, that guy. Janie has broken this down so well multiple times without the ability to move these guys because of their no trade trade contract. You can't really guarantee anything. You can't assume that Doug Armstrong is going to free up a bunch of cap space by trading a guy. It'd be nice. But if he's if he's unable to because guys don't want to go to you know parts unknown, then you're back to a situation where again you're looking at a limited cap you're limited you're looking at limited cap space and making a couple of moves. I think one year deals make the most sense for the for the Blues this upcoming year and going from there. Yeah, the one year deal makes sense if it's just a a gap filler, you know, like. I don't know if Doug Armstrong wants to be in the exact same spot next offseason with a bunch of contracts that are expiring if if he likes the team that he has. I think there's a select group of players that you would entertain that on. And I think it's a reclamation project. I brought up Sean Monaghan a long time ago with the Montreal Canadiens. I said he'd probably get that guy for about $2 million on a one-year deal to kind of reset his market value. Well, what happened? The Canadians felt the same way. And they, before he could get to market, they scooped him up, gave him $2 million on a one-year deal. Yeah, That's what you're kind of looking for if you're going one-year deal. Max Pacioretty, for me, is a one-year deal at about $2 million. He needs to reset his market value, too. Now, there's going to be a long list of teams that are interested in said players, but you know, that would be the one-year deal, is guys that have shown that they can do it before, and maybe they can do it again, but you're going to utilize them for a year and see what they can do. The other guys, uh, look at Casper, Kapanen, and Verana. Those guys are all unrestricted free agents after next year. So Sammy Blay. So this is where Doug Armstrong has to be very careful mm-hmm. of how he builds his roster because you're going to end up with a slew of unrestricted free agents following next season, and you'll be right back in the same boat. So when I look at the Blues roster construction right now, and to your point, Anthony, about making trades, you know, just trade this guy to open up cap space for player X, Y, or Z. So right now, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, uh, they do not have current no trade clauses. I don't think they kick in for the first three years of their deal. But you just gave them eight times eight. This is literally the first year of their deal coming up. You're probably not trading them unless you're getting something substantial Mm -hmm. in return. Braden Shen, he's your next guy in line at 6.5. There would be money you could get rid of or free up for the salary cap. One, I think he's your next captain. Uh, two, he has a full no-trade clause uh, and until July 1st, 2025, where then he has a 15-team no-trade clause that he can kick in. So you can't really get rid of that money. Pavel Buchnevich, he has a 
a modified no-trade clause. He has 12 teams on a list that he will not go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Brandon Saad has a full no-trade clause as well. So after that, you're down into the three millions. And on defense, we know the situation there. On defense, uh, you've got your top four guys have no trade clauses. Marco Scandella has a seven-team no trade clause. So the teams with cap space are going to be the lower end of the totem pole when it comes to uh, how good they are, which means that these guys are probably not going to waive their no trade clause to go play on a team that doesn't have a chance of winning. Yeah. The downside of that is because you didn't win last year. So sometimes you can sell an opportunity to a player uh, to be something bigger or in, in, a, in a team they like or a coach they like. But it's going to be a couple of years because they've got some term left on their deal. They can go through a year or two of like so-so team play, but then you know years three through six of what they have left on their deal going to be a competitive team. But you lost last year. It's kind of a miserable year for everyone all around. Who I can't imagine Tory Krug saying, I really liked that. I'd like to go play on a team that's going to have a losing season next year. Right. Can't imagine Nick Letty saying that. These guys have played their entire careers to get to a spot to where they could pick and choose where they wanted to play. And they also had a no trade clause put into their contract for the very reason of being able to have a choice of what they'd like to do. So that's why the Blues are, are strapped when it comes to the salary cap. But you never know. Doug Armstrong has worked some magic before. It could happen again. Could be a team that's a very good team just looking to add a piece of the puzzle. and But you probably have to overpay at that point and attach a draft pick or a young player to a player with a heavy amount of salary uh, in order to get that cap space you're looking for. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Saltzer. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. We have our What You Missed segment coming up, plus criticism and compliments. We'll put a bow on the show next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, make sure you download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or your 101 ESPN mobile app. Talked to a lot of Cardinals again today. Jamie sent some uh, pretty interesting pictures, he said, after last night's victory. I wonder what today's loss is going to bring. The relationship for Jamie and the Cardinals, this toxic relationship continues. This team is healthy again. How does the lineup play out moving forward? What about the positions? We dove into that. Talked to a little Blues. Talked to a little City SC as well. Is a big-ish move coming regardless of whether or not the Cardinals are going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. And we got some mic drops today asking you, if you could get some pitching, would you give up Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, or Lars Newbar? The Cardinals may have to dive into that outfield stock anyways to get some to get some pitching. It's all available on the podcast, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Marsh, what do we got for criticisms and compliments? Yeah, you mentioned uh, the pictures. Um, some people, you know, they had some of their uh, their own ideas of what what Jamie may have sent. Um, I did get the pictures. You did. I did get the pictures. So he sent you the actual pictures. Yeah, it was just a thumbs up. Said we got this. Oh, okay. I don't know what pictures you. God. 
I just, I, 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 I guess I misread the text message. Yeah, it was just a thumbs up. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, uh, from the 636, Jamie carrying the water for Mars, trying in the gauntlet. It's like Stalter carrying the water for Mo. Yeah. And Cardinal Topics. It really was. I don't really think it's uh, be categorized as carrying the water. I give, look at the, here's the problem, okay? Is we, we like to knock the kids of today, the modern day, the, the kids these days, you know? They don't have the work ethic. They don't have the effort. They don't give everything they've got. Here I am. Andrew Marsh comes in here every time he's selected to play in the gauntlet and gives everything he's got. Every single time. Not everybody does that. Andrew does. I give him a compliment for that, and now I'm carrying the water? Hmm. I find that weird. Jamie, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel angry and frustrated that I can't give a co-worker a compliment. I mean, not all co-workers give everything they've got all the time. Not all co-workers take it seriously in the gauntlet all the time. Mm -hmm. So felt like I needed to recognize Andrew and I don't take back anything I said any of it. Jamie I'll send you a thumbs up picture tonight thanking thanking you for your compliment. That's weird. Your thumb doesn't have a nail on it. <laughs> yeah I actually smashed it playing softball last night. Bet you did. Well, speaking of the gauntlet <laughs> for 314 <laughs> It might just be me, but I want you guys to win every gauntlet. Yeah! Oh, nice! <laughs> we do, too. Thank you. Unfortunately, we're giving away trophies at a record pace right now. Eh, we slowed it down a little bit. Yeah. Jamie, you've been on a winning streak. Marshall won, Marshall won today. It's been good. It's been good. It's been we've, we stopped the bleeding. <laughs> yeah, we did. We haven't cauterized it yet, but no. we've, we've slowed it down. <laughs> <laughs> just cut it. Just cut it off. It's fine. I believe the last last gauntlet we lost was was Jamie baseball. Oh, thanks to Steve. I give this guy all the compliments. Comes back and he cherry picks the one thing that he knows will hurt me. Do you think he gave maximum effort that Jamie? day, Marsh? Yeah, I think so. I I, I I could be mistaken, but I thought maybe it went to a walk off. Did I give everything I had? Hey, Anthony, yeah. this, this applies in life. You're not going to win every time. You're not going to win. But when you lose, it's about how you take that loss and how you move forward. Yeah, and how did you lose? Like, how did you lose? Did you lose because you just didn't care? Did you just try to be funny? Or did you lose because he gave a great effort and just got it wrong? I don't know. You know? You know I know that there's one way that I would... I, I'm okay with losing... When it's maximum effort and you cared. You know, did you lose? Because, you know... You had Jamie, uh, may I? I feel like <laughs> this is the third time you've brought this up. Uh, and while certainly giving Marsh a compliment yeah. in what you're doing, I can't help but feel there's, a, there's some sort of uh, hidden message. Some sort of... Uh, Passive aggressiveness wrapped up what? in your compliment. Like an innuendo? To Marsh. No, not not like that. Oh. Why do you always have to try and find something negative in every conversation, Anthony? Well, I, I gave the statement. You just took it negative. I'm actually asking well, you. Well, you're asking me if I mean passive aggressive? Yeah. Like, towards who? I don't know. 
I mean, was hoping that you would expand. Comments, so this usually happens. Andrew, you're a young guy. Listen up. Mm-hmm. This usually happens when uh, someone strikes a nerve, right? They touch a mm-hmm. nerve inadvertently, and then you automatically think that it's about you. Mm. It's always about you. It's insecure. Yeah, it is. It is. And uh, sometimes it's admission of guilt, too. Oh, yeah. So if me praising Andrew Marsh for giving everything he's got every single time, every single answer in the gauntlet makes you angry, Anthony, or feels like someone's coming after you, why would you feel that way? What happened? Oh, that's right. (laughs) I remember now. Anthony literally threw a gauntlet just to be funny. Just to hit the laugh track. Yeah, Anthony. Was it directed at you? <laughs> Not initially, but it is now. Shame. Jamie, I want you to listen up. I want you to listen real good. Don't you ever touch my nerve. Okay? Well, you just leave it hanging out there exposed. <laughs> May not just be me touching that nerve. All right? I wish. That's a good point. From the 314, I'm sure it is a small deck. Oh, no. No, no. The picture I have is a massive deck. I mean, it was massive. Wood, too, that they use all had the, the veiny wood. You know, you got the, you know, you got the, the marks from the wood where it goes through. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. they call that veining. Is that what it's called? I don't think so, but... Is it, um, is it stain, staining? Staining. No, 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 I know what stain is. Anyways, you got the picture, right? Yeah, like, you know what yeah, I'm saying. The, the natural... Yeah. The... Uh, lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the natural aging process uh, yeah, of the wood. For sure. Uh, came out in Jamie's beautiful deck photos. That's a good mm-hmm. camera. Yeah, real, real good. Camera. A lot of activities, too, on the to, to do on the deck. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, got to be safe, though. Always. Safety first. We have instant replay coming up from 6 to 7 tonight. We appreciate you listening throughout the course of the day today. Uh, unfortunately, your Cardinals lost 3 to nothing. But don't worry. They're heading to London. Got a couple of days off, and I'm sure Marsh's vision is about to uh, come to fruition here. Yep. Free Andrew Marsh and Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate you. Have a good night. See ya.